Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this episode of the first 40k. This series focuses on the first 40,000 words of an ongoing web series at the time of recording. This will most likely end in a cliffhanger, and if you are curious to find out what happens, the link to the original will be down below. This is mainly to help people get into the story or not, and find out if there's something they like or not. If you really like this video, I will make a second one called The Second 40K. For this to happen, there will need to be a minimum of 5,000 views on this video, as well as 200 likes, which, with my history of videos, is entirely possible. Fear not if you do not enjoy this particular story. There will be others to follow with the same theme of the first 40,000. And without further ado, here is the first 40,000 words for The Forge of Destiny taken from Royal Road. I hope that you enjoy. Prologue Part 1 Smelting the carriage was impossibly fast, Ling Ki thought as she stared out the tiny window at the landscape that was little more than a green-brow blur. She knew that she should be excited, maybe awed. She was witnessing the power of mortals, after all. It wasn't something a girl like her could have ever expected to see. Instead, she simply felt numb, absently. She brushed a strand of unruly black hair out of her eyes. She had let it get too long again, hanging down below her ears as it was. She was being taken to war, the impressive mountains that formed the southern border of the Emerald Sea's province. The carriage was bound for the Argent sect that resided there, and it was all because a terrifying man in a porcelain mask had said that she had the talent to become an immortal. It was why she sometimes heard voices no one else could hear. Why she could feel strange presences when she ventured out into the outskirts of the city where the wards against the spirit beasts were porous and weak. She had always assumed that she had been born a bit crazy. Boyish, inelegant, crazy Linky, who ran away rather than play doll for her mother. It aggrated her when she was young, listening to her mother's complaints about her appearance and demeanor, hearing the frustration in the woman's voice when she talked about her. Linky was too small, too thick of limb, her skin too dark, her features too long and lacking refinement. She couldn't say that she regretted leaving. It wasn't as if mother had tried very hard to find her in the four years since she'd run off. Linky blew the stubborn strand of hair out of her eyes again and turned her thoughts away from the past. It was pointless now. She would never grow up to be like her mother. And so she had left. She was free, even if it meant facing hunger and cold, even if it meant that she had often been hurt or frightened. She might be ugly, might be poor, but she was herself did as she wanted, which to her was all that mattered. It had to be, which is why this grated on her. She should be an ecstatic, the only commoner from a city that had talent. Would any other denizen of Tonghao be able to raise their heads in front of her by the time she was done training? Would even Mother be able to criticize her? No, of course not. She still wasn't happy, though, because once again she found herself without a choice. She 
had no money, no resources. Even if she had gone back to mother, the woman wouldn't have been able to pay the fees described by the recruiter, and if she had refused to go along with the sect, her talent would be removed. She hated the idea of something that was hers being taken away even more. So once she had done training, she would owe the Empire eight years of military service instead. Not very long in all than an immortal's lifespan, she had been assured. Really, she couldn't say that the idea of facing off against the wind-riding mountain barbarians like a figure out of a story didn't excite her. She just hated not having a choice. Linky shook her head and turned away from the blurring landscape outside the carriage window. The carriage was eerily quiet. More magic, she supposed, and despite her misgivings, she couldn't help but spark of excitement that she felt at the thought. Still, it had been hours since they left, and she was bored. Even at this speed, it should be some time until they arrive, so rather than continuing to mope about the past, she decided to turn her attention to the leather satchel sitting on the bench across from her. It contained her meager possessions, a few coins, some clothing, an old wooden flute that she had liked to play on occasion. Mother's music lessons had been one of her happier memories. It also contained what she had been provided by the recruiter. Reaching over, Linky picked up the bag and flipped out open. Peering inside, she ran her fingers over the bundle of grey cloth that sat on top. She once again marveled at the smooth softness of the material. Her disciple's uniform, the man had said, something provided to less well-off disciples since normal clothing would have difficulty holding up to the rigors of training. There were a few other things too, a hand mirror, a comb, a sewing kit, amongst a few other miscellaneous items. She supposed the implication was that she should make herself presentable before she arrived. She glanced down at her rather ragged brown shirt, pants, and muddy sandals. Not exactly the most impressive outfit. This was the first time in a long time that it might matter, though. She hadn't had much time before she'd been shuffled into the carriage. If she was going to make an effort, she should do it now. Linky glanced towards the locked door on the other side of the carriage, then back towards the window. There was enough space, at least. It really seemed like the carriage was meant for several people. After another moment of contemplating the contents of the satchel, she drew the shutter down over the window and got to work changing. Some time later, Linky sat back down with a frown on her face, idly smoothing the wrinkles out of the amazingly soft grey fabric of the outfit she now wore. It was nice, but she hadn't worn a dress in years. At least it didn't pinch and cling like the one's mother used to try and make her wear. It was layered and cut on the bottom halfway to allow for easy movement, but annoyingly loose around the hips. She had to have a bunch up the sash to tie it twice. At least the white, billowy sleeves would be good for concealing her hands. She could also hide things inside them pretty easily with a bit of work. The embroidery of the clouds and stylized wind currents were kind of nice too. She felt a little uncomfortable though. It felt strange to wear something that probably cost more than a month of a laborer's wages. Well... Maybe whatever this was made of was the immortal equivalent to sackcloth. 
She glanced down at the mirror in her hands. There weren't any cosmetics provided, thankfully, so apparently they didn't expect her to dress up that much. There had been a few hairpins, though, made of some kind of painted bone. She thought they went well in her bright blue eyes. That was her best feature in her own opinion. No one else in her hometown had eyes that shade. Not that her effort at pinning her hair up in some resemblance of order had prevented the strands from falling back into her eyes. Maybe she could learn some kind of magic to manage that, she hardly thought. As she was putting a mirror away and reached for the clean sandals that had been under the uniform, the carriage suddenly jerked, almost sending her tumbling headfirst into a bag. Snapping a hand to grab onto the frame of the window, she managed to steady herself. Be ready, we're nearly at the entrance plaza, sounded the voice of a man who was driving the carriage. He had seemed uh, less formal than she would have imagined a mortal to be, grating her kindly as she passed her two adults to enter the carriage. Curiously, she lifted the shutter that she had pulled down over the window. They were now moving along at a much more normal pace while traveling up a meandering mountain path. Somehow, the inside of the carriage remained level despite the slope. I will be ready shortly, Linky called back after a moment's hesitation. Whatever had been blocking the sounds from the outside was gone. She noticed with a start. She could hear birdsong and the sound of horse hooves again as well. How long do I have? She asked tentatively after a moment. Frowning at the hesitant stutter that had come out despite her best efforts, she was nervous, but she couldn't let them see it. One thing she had learned quite well by now was that appearance of confidence was important. Oh, you got a few more minutes more, the man called back in a lackadaisical tone. This sect doesn't like us speeding on the mountain, at least for those of us stuck on the ground anyway. Linky blinked. Was he implying that some would be arriving by flight? She had heard stories, but had the thought that they were mostly the domain of mountain barbarians. Thank you, I'll just be a moment. It felt strange to revert to a speech mother had taught her, rather than the more relaxed kind that she'd gotten used to over the last years. But it felt like a good idea. If there was one thing mother had been right about, it was first impressions mattered. Shaking off such thoughts for a moment, she reached down for the sandals, a determined expression on her face. She would need to be ready. When the carriage finally came to a stop, Linky found that she was prepared as she could be, given that she didn't precisely know what was coming next. The driver hadn't said anything else, and neither had she, preoccupied as she had been with trying to focus on keeping the nervous thoughts that kept flitting through her mind from showing. There was a thud outside and the sound of footsteps walking around the carriage as she stood, self-consciously smoothing the wrinkles in her new uniform. Shortly thereafter, there was another click and the door opened, revealing the driver. It was difficult to read his face, or anything really, given how well covered he was. He wore a strange, wide-brimmed hat from which hung paper slips covered in odd symbols, it left his eyes barely visible in the gaps between slips. The high collar of his deep blue robe rose to meet the hangings, concealing the rest of his face. Somehow, he managed to give the impression that he was smiling. I need a hand getting down, 
the man asked pleasantly, offering a gloved hand to her. I'll be fine, thank you. Linky responded with a confidence that she didn't quite feel, hesitating only a moment before picking up a now lightened satchel and stepping down slowly to avoid tripping on the hem of her dress. As she reached the bottom of the steps, she finally got a look at her surroundings. The two of them stood on a wide stone plaza built upon the plateau carved into the mountainside. She could see the steep road that they had traveled to get here wind past the ornate gates that broke the stone fence encircling the plaza and vanishing into the mist below. There was only a single building here, a large two-story structure with a high-peaked roof that reminded her both of a temple and a scholar's testing hall in Tanghao City. The plaza was dotted with small, tastefully arranged gardens centered around a tall peach trees. There was still a trickle of people going into the building dressed in similar uniforms, as well as several other similar carriages, each with their own eclectically dressed driver. Hey, you might not want to stand around for too long. As startled as the driver's amused voice jolted her from her thoughts, Linky glanced over at him and then back at the central building. He was facing away from her, working to free the odd blue-furred horses from their harness. You're in the last group of arrivals, so one of the elders will be coming down soon to lay out the rules. You're assigned to hole one, by the way. He patted one of the horses on the neck, drawing a snort from the beast as he turned back to face her. Ningi still hadn't gotten a proper look at his face, but somehow the tilt of his head and the impression was that he was examining her, making her straighten her posture unconsciously. Thank you, she responded after a moment, and uh, there is all one, and is there anything else I should know? In the front door, just follow the signs, he responded dismissively, crossing his arms. The act tugged the long sleeves of his robe up, showing that his gloves extended to at least his elbows. He paused, once again giving her a feeling of being appraised. The elders will lay out the rules, just be respectful, he added in a lazy tone. But find some friends and be quick about it. Loners tend to have trouble. You can't watch your own back all the time, you know. His monstrosity of a hat tilted to the side, and she got the impression that he was smiling again. Call it advice from a senior who was in a similar spot. She had never been particularly good at making friends, much less keeping them. But she could take friendly advice with good grace. Thank you again. I should be on my way, though. Her voice was more hesitant than she would have liked. She turned her head forward to the building and then stopped. Might I know your name? She asked. It seemed silly to not at least introduce herself to someone who seemed helpful. Dong Fu, he responded easily. You're right. Get going. You don't want to be late. And I already know your name. Lin Ki dipped her head in his direction and set off hurrying along as fast as she could manage with her new clothes. The sixth central building loomed ahead. Somehow, she knew things would never quite be the same again once she crossed the threshold. End of chapter Prologue Part 2 As it turned out, Dong Fu was correct. The signs were quite clear. Only a handful of other silver-robed youths remained in the wide-open entrance hall as she entered, and none of them paid her any more than a passing glance. 
The rear wall of the entrance was taken up by a massive board of ebony wood. A banner was strung up on the board, clearly delineating directions for new disciples. The spotlessly clean wooden interior of the building was honestly a little unsettling. It was unnatural. The floor was so polished that it was practically a mirror, and she couldn't see a single scuff or mark anywhere, let alone a speck of dust. She couldn't give too much thought, however, because she was one of the last ones in. As she arrived at the sliding doors marking the entrance to Hall 1, she could hear the murmur of a large number of people speaking quietly within. Peering inside, she could see that the large room was built with a series of long desks placing on descending tiers, broken up by shallow steps going down to a pit where the lecturer's podium stood. The desks were almost completely full, and as she stepped inside, Minky caught more than just one curious, dismissive, or assessing look from the crowd of chattering fourteen-year-olds already present. It made her hackles rise. The feeling of condescending dismissal was an almost physical thing. Giving herself a shake, she forced herself to ignore it and search for empty seats. The most obvious and first to draw her eye was the whole section which lay empty centered at one pale girl. The girl had a snow-white hair that fell freshly down the middle of her back and was everything Linky was not, petite and dainty with almost supernaturally pale skin. She was whispering into her sleeve of her uniform, which had been personalized with a scale-like pattern and the embroidery. She seemed to be paying very little attention to her surroundings, yet she sat alone in an otherwise stacked room. The girl raised her head then, looked towards Linky. Linky felt her blood run cold, for as she saw the other girl's eyes, golden slits and pupiled. The shudder of animalistic fear rippled up her spine. The moment ended when the other girl broke eye contact and returned her attention to a bright green snake which had just poked its head out of her sleeve. What was that? She had felt like a mouse in front of a serpent. Yet the girl's expression hadn't even been hostile nor condescending, just indifferent. Linky quickly turned her attention to the other possible seats. There was another girl who had a seat open next to her. She was leanly muscled with sun-darkened skin and bright red hair woven into a single braid. A splash of color stood out amidst the rest of the room. Strangely, she was wearing a partial boy's uniform, a pair of baggy pants rather than a robe and a silken sleeveless shirt, and Linky might have thought her a feminine boy if not for how, um, stretched the shirt she wore was. Unlike the others, who were seated with meticulous posture, she sat with her feet propped up on the desk in front of her and a bored expression on her face. Her gaze briefly flickered to Linky's way before the laid-back girl seemed to dismiss her as unimportant. Further down, there was an open seat adjacent to the steps next to a tall boy, tall enough that she wouldn't be looking down at him if they stood face to face. He was... well... A little handsome, Linky could admit, in a classical way, with noble features and good proportions, but not girlish, the way some nobles and wealthy sorts could get. Mainly, her attention was drawn to the gold fur tiger cub curled on top of his head. She stared for a moment, but no one else seemed to think it odd. When he noticed her look, the boy gave her a friendly smile and a slight nod that made the cub on the head growl unhappily. 
The last available seat was in the room's far corner next to a short young man with shaggy brown hair and a rather nasty burn scar extending across his right cheek, down his neck and under his shirt. It was quite ugly and it took a moment to pull her eyes from the scar to look at the rest of him. He was a middling height and compact build. Just from a glance, she could guess him to be one of the few others in this room to be of the same uh, social class as her. He certainly looked out of place and uncomfortable as she felt. When he met her eyes, his gaze was measuring and wary. Her eyes skittered away immediately. He reminded her too much of Tung Hao, and wasn't she going to leave that behind? Ling He glanced between the open seats, but in the end, the choice was obvious. Dong Fu's advice still echoed in her ears, and uh, if she were honest with herself, she wanted to follow it. It came down to loneliness in the end. If there was one thing the Linky's efforts to remain unconstrained had failed to give her, it was friends. Given his mother's occupation, that bull had always been limited to begin with, and living as she had for the last four years had not allowed her to spend a long time in anyone's company. With that in mind, she chose the option that least seemed friendly. She began to make her way down the stairs towards the handsome boy with the tiger cub at a sedate pace. Even if his friendliness was a facade, it was better than indifference or hostility. That seemed to trigger most of those who had been looking at her response to go back to their own conversations. Now that she had the opportunity to study them, Linky could see that there seemed to be several cliques amongst those seated here. She was no socialite, but she could see that there was no room for someone like her there. As she came to a stop next to the desk where the boy was seated, she did her best to put her doubts and worries aside, but it was a difficult thing. Do you mind if I sit here? Her words escaped her before she could really think about it, and she clenched her fists under her sleeves. She had been trying to remember to speak formally, but it wasn't something that came naturally to her anymore. Now he was going to think that she was... Sure thing. He said laid-back words cut her off internal panic. The boy shifted in his seat, moving over a bit to give her more room. The easy smile that he gave her absolutely did not make her heartbeat speed up. You were kind of cutting her close, though, weren't you? He had a slight accent that she couldn't quite place, which, combined with the laid-back attitude, seemed to draw his words out oddly. Linky hastily seated herself before too much attention could be drawn to her embarrassed flush, not that most were likely to care. Her more reasonable side would point out. She glanced up to find him regarding her with something like amusement. The tiger cup curled atop his head seemed to be sleeping again, and she briefly wondered why it hadn't fallen when he turned his head to look at her. My carriage only just arrived, she responded, more defensively than she would have liked. She suddenly remembered that she hadn't introduced herself yet. I am Lin Ki, by the way, she said quickly. If, um, if you're wondering, I am... Um, she hated the way her voice trailed off into an awkward uncertainty. Let her slip through busy street, dipping her hands into pockets or stand up to a fence trying to swindle her, and she could be confident. Apparently, friendly conversation could make her composure crumble in moments. Worst of all, her damn hair was working its way loose again. She already had a few unruly strands drifting in front of her eyes. For his part, the boy gave her an odd look now to the corner of his eye as she haunched her shoulders, feeling stupid. 
Han Jan, he said after a moment. Nice to meet you. Can't say I recognize the name. If your carriage just got you, you must be local, so that makes sense. My tutors always complained about me not paying enough attention, he says with a last of self-deprecating smile. His easy acceptance eased the tension Link Ki felt and allowed her to sit up straighter. Doing so made her notice that aside from Han Jian, she just might be the tallest person in the room. So much for standing out less. Still, the implied question made her feel awkward. Was he only being polite because he thought that she might be someone with noble birth like him? He seemed almost too casual to be a noble, though. My family isn't very important, she decided to hedge. Where are you from? I'm... I mean, I'm not familiar with yours either. She stumbled over the words more than she would have liked, but she felt that it was still a decent deflection. He laughed and Linky felt the corners of her lips quirk up. It was hard to stay tense around him. Guess we're both a couple of slackers then, he responded, sounding amused. The Han family is from the Golden Fields province. He seemed really amused, but also almost relieved. Golden Fields. The name was vaguely familiar, as if she had heard it once long time ago. It then came to her. Golden Fields was the easternmost province of the Empire, and more importantly, oh, the Grave of the Sun. I didn't think someone would come from so far away. She trailed off as she noticed that his smile had gone rather stiff. Did she say something rude? The story of Lu Guanzi and his final stand was famous. He was one of the Empire's greatest heroes. She couldn't really think of a reason why mentioning the hero would offend him. Maybe his family had sent him away and he didn't like being reminded of how far away he was. He gave a slightly forced laugh. Yeah, that's the one. I guess most people only remember us for that old story these days. Linky looked away awkwardly, pursing her lips. What had she said? She cast around for a change of subject to hopefully end this uncomfortable silence. Eventually, her eyes settled back on his pet, which she noticed now had opened its eyes and was staring down at her with a sort of imperious disdain that only a feline could manage. So, uh, where did you get your pet? I've never seen one like that. Trudy, she was a master of conversation and that wasn't stilted at all. Why did it feel like the little tiger cub was glaring at her now? He blinked, but accepted the subject changed. I was introduced to Hygen by my grandmother a few years back when I managed to awaken my key. He's not really a pet, though, more like a little cousin. What was that supposed to mean? Ling Ki had heard of some people treating their animals like family, so maybe he was just one of those. She was about to ask for clarification when a muffled boom cut through the buzz of the conversation in the room. Like the others in the room, her attention was drawn to the source of the sound. It came from below where a tall, thin man had appeared at the lecturer's podium. He was even now lowering his hands back to his sides as if he'd simply clapped for their attention. Linky frowned as she studied the man. There was something about him which she set her on edge. Perhaps it was his almost unnaturally bland and thin features, clean-shaven down to the eyebrows, or even the slightly grey tone to his skin. If she didn't know better, she would think him ill. Or maybe it was the eye-searing shades of pink and lilac that he was garbed in. He was bizarre seeing what looked like the robes of a high minister in such an undignified shade. 
How had someone wearing such loud colors gotten past her like that? There was no door down there. He must have come through the same entrance that she had. She glanced over at Han Jian, but he didn't seem particularly surprised. She forced herself to relax a bit. It was some form of magic, obviously, and not something which anyone else seemed to be concerned about, though a few of the students had seemed startled at their seats. Welcome to the Argent Peak sect, children, this strange bold man said as he clasped his hands behind his back. His expression was one of carefully neutrality, but she thought she could see amusement twinkling in his grey. No, green eyes, no, and his eye, which seemed to be rapidly changing colors. The sect elder Sima Jiao, head of the talisman department, and it seems that it is my turn to greet our new arrivals. So this man was the one in charge of creating talismans like the spirit-repelling totems placed around the villages and cities. He must be incredibly wealthy. No wonder he could get away with dressing so outlandishly. Then she remembered the ridiculous hat her driver had worn. Perhaps becoming immortal compelled one to dress strangely. While Linky parted the fashion sense of cultivators, Alda Jiao had clasped his hands behind his back and was giving her and the other students an assessing look. I am terribly busy on the best of days, so I will not ramble on. Be honest, it is likely the majority of you will never amount to anything beyond an outer sect where you stand now, and are thus not particularly worthy of my time. The blith dismissal drew the grumble from the gathered students, blinking amongst them. Han Jian's serene expression didn't change, though. Perhaps he was simply that confident. Seeing that, Ling Qi let out a breath, reining in her irritation. It is simple reality, nothing to be ashamed of. The elder continued, not unkindly. In any case, the first years here will serve that purpose of separating those with only minor potential from those with true talent. This is why no one will be allowed to leave the sect grounds during the first year, nor will the correspondence be allowed in or out in the first three months. That seemed to surprise some of the other disciples, setting off a wave of whispers, though no one dared to openly question the elder. It didn't quite bother Linky, though. What did she have outside this place? Perhaps she would enjoy her stroll through the original home when she had made something of herself. But until then, why bother? Be silent, Alder Jiao said then, pulling her attention back to him. You will have time enough for mortal concerns later. Today and in the future, you are disciples of Argent Peak. The foundation you lay in the first steps of your path will shape the rest of your lives. There is no need for distractions from the outside world. His odd, color-shifting eyes swept over the room, and his stern expression softened back into some easy amusement he showed at the beginning of his speech. The only other rule is that you may not kill or permanently maim your fellow disciples, nor may you damage or steal sect property. In addition, there is to be absolutely no violence between newcomers for the first three months. Conflict is important for your growth, but it will not do to allow potential to be cut off before it can begin to bloom. His words, delivered in a light tone, sent a chill down Linky's spine. It seemed that things wouldn't be so different from home after all. 
She found herself eyeing her fellows in a new light as possible enemies and obstacles. Ling Ki was brought up short only when she saw Han Jian giving her a reassuring smile. Only then did she notice that her hands were resting on the desk in front of her had clenched nervously. She did her best to return to her current companion's smile, but the expression was a little wan. It was unlikely that she could rely on someone who she had only shared a brief conversation with. She managed to calm herself after another few minutes. Worrying for her safety was nothing new. Besides, the elder was speaking again and she needed to pay attention. Each of you will be given an allowance of five red spirit stones per month and access to an argent soul art. He continued, confusing her. She had no idea what either of those things were. For those of you not aware, he added, spirit stones are currency of immortals, more valuable than gold or silver. Linky was suddenly all too aware of the way his unsettling gaze rested on her before passing to a handful of other students in the room. Cultivation requires the consumption of energy in said stones, at least until one masters certain other arts. I would suggest frugality. As the Argensol art, it is the beginners from the sex cultivation art. It is exceptional for early growth, if somewhat less effective for mature cultivators. The older man rolled his shoulders and then and glanced towards the door. All of your mortal necessities will be provided in the sect at no further cost. Behind this building are two paths leading to the residential areas. You will be segregated by gender, of course. He smiled as if amused by some private joke. I would not suggest trespassing in the wrong zone. Rooming arrangements will be up to you, but expect to room with at least one other disciple. For at least three months, two elders will be on the mountain to provide the beginners training in the physical and spiritual aspects of the arts, respectively. I suggest you seek them out because you will need to earn such elder attention later. All else will be up to you, your skill, and your talent. He unclasped his hands and brought them back up to rest on the podium, but they were no longer empty. Instead, he held a large jewelry box made of dark green jade. Now, if you would file up in an orderly fashion, I will be handing out the first month's allowance. As he stood, prepared to join the forming line below, Han Jian spoke up quietly from beside her. He was now standing as well, and Linky noted that she had been right. He was actually taller than her. It felt strange to look up at someone her own age. Hyjin, the tiger cub, had migrated from his head to his shoulder, clinging to the fabric with his, um, little kitten claws. The tiger cub was still giving the impression of glaring at her. Do you need a couple pointers on getting started? You are sounding a bit awkward. I couldn't help but notice you aren't actually awakened yet. You just seemed a little on edge, you know. He followed Linky as she stepped out into the aisle to join the line. Thank you. Linky responded after a moment. He had seemed friendly enough, and it wasn't as if she had anything he could possibly want. How would I contact you, though? Linky asked. He hummed thoughtfully as the line shuffled forward. Hmm, I'll wait out front plaza around noon tomorrow. That sounds good. I'd rather not end up the last pick of housing today. She supposed she didn't have much of a choice in the matter. 
She nodded her assent and fell silent, making conversation was more tiring than she thought. She soon received her allowance of spirit stones and a scroll case containing a new cultivation art. No one had came out and said it, but she thought it likely that it was necessary for awakening, since they were giving it out to everyone. She would have to read it later, and practice. Perhaps she could surprise Han Jian come tomorrow. The thought was oddly pleasing. For now, though, Lin Qi thought as the line moved forward, she had to make sure that she would be able to keep these gifts. The first step to that would be seeing to her housing. End of chapter Prologue number three The glittering red stones were almost entrancing to look at, Lin Qi thought. Each one was the size of a thumb and had an odd warmth that was very pleasant. She stowed them away almost immediately. Having what felt like such a valuable precious stones on her person made her nervous. She really wished that the gown she had been given had hidden pockets to it. Still, the elder had forbidden all violence for the next three months, and while that normally wouldn't be enough to make her relax, in this case she had the feeling that it would actually be enforced. Finding outside, their group was quickly joined by the other disciples from the other two lecture halls. The disciples moved towards the two mountain paths that lay behind the main hall. Each path was flanked by a pair of large stone pillars carved with many symbols centered around a single large character. The right-hand set had a character for man. The left-hand set had a character for woman. The meaning that was rather obvious, and it seemed that no one had the desire to test the elder's word today. Walking between the pillars gave Linky an odd tingling sensation, making the hairs on the back of her neck stand up. It was unpleasantly like being watched, but thankfully faded as they moved further in from the pillars. For now, she walked silently somewhere in the middle of the crowd of quietly chatting girls, clutching the strap of her satchel tightly and feeling terribly out of place. There were a bit over a hundred people in the group here. That meant that she had quite a few people to compete with if the implications of Alder Jiao's statements were true. She recognized a handful of girls from her own lecture hall, mostly the two that she had considered sitting with. The red-haired girl strolled along with the head of the group, hands behind her head and looking for all the world like she was leading them despite simply walking in the same direction. The white-haired girl was noticeable simply because of the bubble of clear space around her as she walked with her head down towards the rear of the group. Many of the other girls had grouped into little chattering cliques already. Reaching the crest of the hill, Linky caught her first glimpse of the residence, built at the bottom of a small ravine in the mountainside. The homes were set out in a neat grid and with wide, clean streets between them. At the far end was a veritable mansion, like something she would glimpse over the wall that separated the inner city from the outer, back home. Smaller but still nearly palatial homes with flowing gardens came next. Then came the stone homes that lacked gardens, but looked like something a successful craftsman might own. Past that, there were tiny round hovels with straw roofs, barely big enough for two people. Linky peered over the residence with a determined look. To be frank, having a home at all was a luxury beyond her means, so the quality didn't necessarily concern her. 
However, given Alda Jiao's words that she would likely end up rooming with someone, it meant there simply weren't enough free homes. Linky took a calming breath as they began to make their way down the steep path that led to the residences. She was going to be in danger here once the brief period of enforced non-violence ended. She would need to make an effort to keep herself safe. One way was to gain strength herself, which was strange to think as if it had never really been an option before. A second method was following her driver's advice and finding someone to watch her back. Han Jian, well, while she hoped that he would turn out to be genuine, even if he was only pitying her, he couldn't help her here on the girl's side. She really wasn't good at this sort of thing. She had never joined any of the street gangs at home. She had no illusions what her role in such a group would have been. If she wanted that, she would have just stayed at home with mother and at least made a living out of it. At the same time, she didn't really have anything to offer at the moment, though. Casting a surreptitious glance around at the other girls, she found it doubtful that she would be able to involve herself in any of their cliques. There were a few who seemed like they came from less wealthy backgrounds, including a strange girl with dirty smudges on her and wearing some kind of odd fluffy belt of fur around her waist. They wouldn't be able to help keep her safe, though, because they had the same problem of having nothing to offer. So her gaze went back to the two girls that she had shared a lecture hall with. The white-haired girl was better choice to approach first, she thought. A look around at the others showed that she was ostracized for some reason, whereas the distance kept by the others around the red-haired girl seemed more, uh, respectful. Fearful might be a better word. Another glance at the white-haired girl solidified her resolve to approach. She had no real position, so any approach was a gamble. She may as well try for someone who clearly had some kind of power, but who wouldn't have other options. And honestly, she felt a little bad watching the girl trudge along with her head down. She could recognize the defensiveness in the set of her shoulders. Linky began to drift closer to the girl, settling through the gaps until she reached the empty space around the other girl. As she broke the bubble, she noticed several of the girls nearby go quiet and one or two look away. Ignoring the nervous feelings in the spit of her stomach, she pressed on until the girl she was approaching noticed her presence and looked up. She got a better look than the other girl's face then. She was unnaturally pale and had the fine features of a porcelain doll framed by a silky white hair that fell down to the middle of her back. However, her thin lips were unpainted and bloodless, barely standing out from the rest of her skin nor did she appear to be wearing any other cosmetics. Mostly, it was her eyes that drew Linky's attention. The slit pupils and wide golden irises were unnerving, but despite the thrill of terror when their eyes met, Linky did not look away or retreat as the fear made her want to do. It helped that the top of the girl's head didn't even reach Linky's shoulder. Instead, she nodded to the other girl and fell in beside her for a few polite steps away. Hello, I'm Lunky. Her voice was stiffer than she would have liked. Several beats of awkward silence followed as the white-haired girl stared at her expressionlessly without blinking. It was very off-putting. When the girl didn't respond, she asked, 
May I have your name? That seemed to prompt the other girl to blink. Thankfully, though her expression was unchanged, it was difficult to read her. But she didn't think the other girl was wary of her so much as nonplussed at her presence. By Mason, by the Thousand Lakes province, the girl responded rotely. Why did you not finish introducing yourself? Linky glanced at the side, aware that she and the other girl were being surreptitiously watched. I did, she responded awkwardly. I mean, I suppose I'm from the Emerald Seas province, she added hastily. It seemed like trying to maintain formal speech patterns really was a lost cause. She doubted that she could deceive the girl from any length of time anyway, given her lack of knowledge about normal families. Was there any noble Ling clan? Her response ended in another painfully awkward silence, and Ling Ki shifted from foot to foot as the other girl stared at her. She really wished that that girl would blink more often. Finally, my Mason spoke again, a hint of confusion coloring her mostly toneless voice. I, um, see. What is it you require, then? I'm afraid I have not been granted allowance to hire a maidservant. Linky could not help but grit her teeth at the dismissal and the soft titter she caught from the closer girls, but she managed to calm herself. She had been insulted before, and after the initial wave of irritation, she could see that there was no menace in the other girl's words. It was more like she was just, um, completely lost on why else Linky would be talking to her. She pushed down her anger and put on a smile. She would just have to be blunt then. I was actually thinking we could be friends. We're both cultivators, right? Cultivation was supposed to supersede bloodline and such, even if it seemed that that might not be how it worked in practice. You seem like you could use a friend, and we need to pair off for housing anyway. The odd girl tilted her head and sighed slightly, her pace slowing as she observed Linky with an odd intensity. Then her eyes shifted to the side as she frowned, pursing her lips as if she listened to something. No one else was talking to them as far as Linky could tell. I suppose that is acceptable, Bai Meisen responded after a moment longer. She didn't seem particularly pleased or displeased with Linky's assertion of friendship, but that might have been the unsettling lack of emotional cues from the girl. I will warn you, however, do not approach me while I sleep. It's likely that you would die. The white-haired girl delivered that line in the same cold, even tones that the rest of her speech. Lunky stared at Bai Mizen, trying to work out if the she was meant was a threat, a warning, both or something else entirely. After a moment's consideration, she forced herself to laugh. I'll keep that in mind. That would be pretty unfortunate, wouldn't it? The other girl just dipped her head very slightly in acknowledgement. It would be unpleasant to lose my first friend to something so avoidable. She responded agreeably. Linky narrowed her eyes to the other girl, trying to work out if she was mocking her, but quickly gave up. Turning her eyes ahead as they resumed walking, she saw that they were a bit over halfway down the path. I was thinking we might talk someone else into joining us. Safety in numbers, you know. Would you have a problem with that? My Mason seemed to consider that before briefly glancing down at her left arm. I would likely be difficult to convince another to share space with me. I do not object to the principle, though. Do you have someone in mind? 
and Ling Ki glanced at the girls nearby, noticing with somewhat a heavy heart the disdainful looks that she received in return. Cozying up to buy Mason had earned her some residual dislike. Keeping her voice low so as to not carry, she nodded towards the front of the group. That girl, the one with the red hair, she's alone too. For the first time she saw something like an actual emotion surface in Bai Mason's face as her perfect eyebrows drew together in a look of bafflement. You wish to share a roof with her? She asked, sounding somewhat incredulous. She looked back and forth between Linky and the redhead before something seemed to occur in her head and make her consternation disappear. That is the eldest great-granddaughter of Sun Xiao, Sun Leling, she explained patiently, as if to a child. Linky bristled at the condensation, but she was fairly certain that Bai Meizen meant well by it. She was hardly going to jeopardize her success with this juncture. Who? she asked politely as she could. The other girl frowned, irritation flashing in her eyes. The Butcher of the West. Her frown only deepened at Linky's lack of recognition. The Scarlet General, King of the Western Territories. Well, that wasn't ominous at all. She was at least aware of the Western Territories. It was a swath of land on the western border of the Celestial Empire that had been conquered under the reign of the previous Emperor. As far as she knew, it was barely civilized and constantly under siege by barbarians. What is someone like that doing here? Linki asked cautiously. Han Jian was from a far-flung province as well, but he wasn't a direct relation to the province's ruler either. He wasn't, right? She might have started learning some more about this kind of thing. I do not know. Her presence here is bizarre, Mason replied simply. Linky felt oddly gratified to know that the first thought on the matter was not entirely off base. Still, is there a particular reason not to approach her? If she were to approach her, she would need to do so as the group was nearing the entrance to the residential area. Bai Mason shook her head. Yes, she replied flatly. However, I will not stop you if you wish to go to her. The pale girl gave her a measuring look and something she couldn't quite manage to read flashed through Bai Mason's eyes. You may have a chance, I suppose. Bai Mason added impassively, before turning her attention back to the path ahead. Well, I'm at least going to try and talk her into it, Lung Ki said stubbornly. She stole another look at her companion, but the girl just nodded, her expression blank again. Lung Ki dipped her head and the other girl then strode forward picking up a pace to move through the crowd. It was a bit harder than before as she found herself blocked by seemingly oblivious girls, even jostled once or twice accidentally. She refused to rise to such bait for the moment. More uncomfortable was the way that she could feel Pai Mason's unwavering gaze on her back. Still, they weren't walking particularly fast, so even with such distractions, it didn't take more than a minute to get to the front of the group. She soon broke through the crowd, and after a moment's hesitation, she continued forward towards the red-haired girl. You can stop right there. Sun Luling's voice brought her up short several steps away. The tan girl had a pronounced rough accent, though thankfully it didn't make her words too difficult to understand. What do you want? The other girl hadn't even looked at her yet. 
Up close, Lunky could see the corded muscle on the other girl's bare arms and torn cloth where the redhead had ripped off the sleeves to her uniform. The girl was taller than most, only a few centimeters shorter than Lunky. More importantly, Lunky got a better look at the way the girl moved, and it reminded her of the most dangerous people on the streets back home, the murderers and gang enforcers. Sun Liling had a grace that even they lacked, however. I was going to ask if you had decided who you were pairing up with for housing. Lenki responded tentatively. Finally, Sun Liling deigned to turn her head slightly, not lowering her arms behind her head. This pose made it difficult to ignore the fabric strain to the near-breaking point across her chest. Lenki managed it with only a minor spike of irritation, returning her attention to the other girl's face. It was disturbing to note that the other girl's eyes were the color of freshly spilt blood. The most attention-grabbing feature was the three thin white lines traced down across the nose and lips. It looked like something had raked its claws down her face. The snake blow you off then? she asked abruptly. The other girl was making no effort to keep her voice down, and Linky just managed to not squirm at the silence from the girls closest to them. I, uh, no. She stumbled over the words, though. How did you? I wanted to see what had the geese back there squawking. Sun Liling drawled lazily. I guess I gotta give you points for ambition, if nothing. Lunky felt uncomfortable at the other girl's intent study of her. You don't look completely soft. You might be worth something if you work at it. Indignant, Lunky's next words slipped out before she could think about it. Don't say that as if it's praise. She snapped. I was, um, Linky's eyes blew wide open as a scar-nicked fist suddenly stopped a hairbreadth's way from her nose, the blowback enough to make Linky's flyaway strands flutter from her face. The others behind them stopped dead in their tracks as well. She hadn't seen something move into position. Sun Liling's crimson eyes were hard and cold. Then Sun Liling withdrew her fist and chuckled. Major Flinch... She said in a voice laced with amusement, but seriously, if you survive the inevitable backstab from the snake, I'll still be around. As the girl turned and way and kept walking, Blinky glared at her back, hating the flush of embarrassment that she knew was rising on her face. This time, she managed to control herself. Her heart was still pounding in her ears, and the fear that she had felt at the bare second when she had thought that the other girl was going to strike her. She wasn't an experienced fighter, but she was quite certain she would be in no condition to walk anywhere if that girl had followed through. Lunky fell back through the crowd, ignoring the looks that she was getting, and returned to by Mason's side. There was a trace of concern, maybe, on the pale girl's face before vanishing. Are you well? The other girl asked evenly. Fine. Linky responded tersely. With an effort, she fought down the indignation and anger she felt and let out a long breath. There was no point in it now. So, she began with a false cheer, what kind of residence do you want to take? My Mason stared at her, unblinking, before dipping her head slightly, apparently acknowledged Linky's desire to not talk about it. I do not feel the need to enter conflict over a more luxurious housing. However, the outer hovels are unacceptable. At least that was one thing she didn't have to worry about. 
Linky would have been happy enough to take one of the smallest homes if she were alone, but given the other girl's words regarding the consequences of disturbing her rest, Linky wouldn't want to risk being in such a close proximity when sleeping. Somewhere in the second block, then. That's more than enough for me, she replied, keeping her voice cheerful. Linky had suffered far worse than a threatened fist, and she had been foolish to let her emotions get the better of her. She couldn't allow herself to forget the caution that had kept her alive for the past four years, no matter where she was now. End of chapter Prologue number four Things grew rather more hectic as they reached the bottom of the path and the groups splintered, various groups rushing off to secure their claims. For by Mason and Linky, things were rather smoothly, though. For all the other girls seemed to dislike by Mason, they also seemed reluctant to confront her directly, and certainly not over one of the homes in the second section. So, it was with some ease that the two of them managed to secure a fairly luxurious space for themselves, also, Linky thought. The second worst homes in the sect were still the step above any accommodation Linky had ever lived in. The squat stone building was only a single story, but in addition to a fairly spacious front room with a well-kept hearth, there were also a pair of bedrooms, a tiny kitchen, and a third empty room laid out with thick mats. It wasn't furnished with any particular luxury. Simple pallets and roughly carved chests for their belongings were the only contents of the bedrooms. It did have a small backyard filled with freshly trimmed grass. Linky separated from her new roommate to head into her bedroom and luxuriate in the fact that she had a personal bedroom. While she feared what might come in the days ahead, for the moment she let herself enjoy the feeling of luxury. It did not take long to put her things away. The chest in one corner of the room was big enough to hold all of her meager possessions, but she took the time to put it all away neatly and give herself a chance to process everything that had happened today. Eventually, she found herself in the front room of the house with the sun setting outside. Linky had discovered a sheet of paper on the kitchen's countertop which stated that food and drink would be provided from a storehouse at the center of the district. Having retrieved and cooked a simple meal, she was sitting in front of the fire while Bai Mason quietly tended to her tea that she was brewing in the clay pot that they had found in one of the kitchen cubbies. With her now empty bowl set to the floor beside her, Linky had the scroll for the argent salt technique open in her lap. She tried to decipher the odd diagram and the text around it, but it seemed no more than a collection of breathing exercises interspersed with flowery philosophical nonsense. It didn't help that her ability to read was... Um, rusty. She was beginning to feel irritated. She knew that she was missing something, but couldn't quite understand what. She was pulled from her thoughts by the whistle of the tea kettle. As much as she wanted to figure it out on her own, she should probably ask... By Mason had made no indication that she was willing to help her, but after spending most of the afternoon to collect necessities for their home, Linky felt that she was beginning to get a feel for the taciturn girl. Asking for help was probably against By Mason's nature, as was offering help of her own initiative, but Linky could ask. By Mason, do you know what this part means? 
she asked, pointing to a block of characters next to a line pointing towards the navel of the human figure covered in lines and squiggles in the diagram. The other girl took a moment to look up from the brewing tea, looking faintly surprised that Linky was speaking to her. She didn't really engage verbally unless prompted. She then leaned forward, narrowing her creepy golden eyes to study the scroll, which Linky helpfully turned to make it easier for her. It is describing the state of mind one must reach to begin absorbing the spiritual energy into one's dantians. She responded a bit condescendingly. It is the initial step in the simple exercise for the first stage of the technique once you have mastered the first breathing method. Linky let out a breath, not letting the other girl's tone bother her. The other girl didn't mean any harm and was being helpful. What is a dantian exactly? Linky asked, keeping her tone even. She hated even more that she felt she earned the condescension with her ignorance. By Mason frowned, pausing as she poured herself a cup of the newly brewed tea. It is the seat of a cultivator's power, the core from which you channel energies through the meridians in your body. Filling up the dantian is required to awaken and begin production of your own key. She paused for a beat to stare at Lin Key. Key is the energy which allows us to do everything beyond the ability of mortals. I know that much, Lenki responded defensively, but how am I supposed to feel something inside me like it says? It's not like I can sense any of my other organs. The pale girl pursed her lips in consideration. Give me your hand, she said briskly, holding out her own left hand. Why? Lenki glanced at the girl's hand suspiciously. She could see the movement of the small snakes she had glimpsed in the girl's sleeve a few times by now. I will inject a spark of key into you, Pai Mason responded impatiently. It'll hurt, but it'll allow you to feel your dantian until it fades. You'll need to practice in the future to avoid the need for such crutches, though. How much pain are we talking about? Lunky asked warily, even as she raised her hand. She knew everything depended on her being able to gain enough strength to defend herself by the end of the three months. She was still suspicious, and some part of her rallied against so easily trusting the girl in front of her to not hurt her. But could she afford to do that right now? Leaps of faith were all that she had. As her housemate took her hand, my Mason answered, It is painful, but my aunt did this for me when I was eight years old. It should be no trouble for you. Linky was about to respond when she felt a sudden heat in her palm, followed by an explosion of pain in her gut. It felt as if the burning knife had stabbed into her and then violently twisted, and she couldn't help but double over clutching her stomach. A slight whimper escaped her lips as she felt her eyes beginning to water. She didn't know how long it was until the burning pain faded into a knot of heat behind her navel throbbing like a second heartbeat. Was this the Dantian that the other girl had mentioned? Speaking of by Mason, she was observing Linky quizzically over the lip of her teacup, and Linky noticed absently that the second cup had been placed before her. Letting out a shuddering breath, Linky sat up, one hand still held over her stomach. That, uh, that was more than painful, she rasped at the other girl. Was it? 
The pale girl asked, seemingly genuinely surprised. Lunky didn't know if she was misreading the other girl's cues, though. My apologies, can you feel the dantian now, though? Correct? I can, Lunky admitted grudgingly. You should drink the tea, then meditate while it lasts. By Mason said evenly, otherwise it will have been for nothing. Lunky slugged back the tea and her cup, grimaced at the gross bitter flavor of it, and then moved to stand, loosely clutching the scroll in her hand. She was still irritated and wary that she was being messed with. Sun Liling's words echoed through her thoughts. For now, she was determined to at least try and reach this awakening. It had been strange. Lunky had never liked sitting still for too long before. But after she had shut that thick door to the meditation room and sat down to practice breathing, as the scroll instructed, she found that her mind did not wander nearly as much as she expected it would. Rather, she seemed to fall into a pattern that the scroll described with ease as if she'd been doing it for years. When she felt that she had it down, she removed one of the glimmering red stones from her pocket and held it in her hands, clasping in front of her stomach. She focused on the warmth of the stone and the throbbing pain in her abdomen and cast away her thoughts. The heat was all that mattered. Her body, the cold stone room, none of it mattered. Just the pulse of pain in her belly and the heat in her hands. She was still empty, painfully so. The heat of the stone was her only hope for filling the void that she could now feel. She focused on her breathing and began to pull in time with her breath. The energy in the stone began to move, cresting and ebbing in time with her breath, until, finally, it began to flow inwards. It trickled into a slowly fading knot of pain that Bai Mason had given her. Slowly, she replaced that unpleasant sensation with a comfortable warmth. It was frustrating. Something was blocking the energy from entering her body, and much of the energy dispersed into the air instead of being absorbed. When she opened her eyes and found the room dark, she felt oddly refreshed. She didn't think that she had awakened yet, but she could feel the warm, steady pulse of the spiritual energy now. In contrast, the stone in her hand had turned grey and lifeless. Rubbing it between her fingers thoughtfully, she watched as it crumbled into dust. She stood and stretched, then quietly left the room. She felt better than she had in years, and despite some initial setbacks, she felt like she could do this. End of chapter Chapter 1 First Steps 1 Lunky began her first morning as a disciple at the sect blearily rummaging through her tiny kitchen for something simple to eat. She was quite happy that they had stocked up the previous night. She would hate to have to trudge out to the storehouse before she had a chance to properly wake up. Honestly, it still felt a little bizarre to think that she no longer had to worry about where food would come from. Her musing served as ample distraction while she finished preparing breakfast. She was a bit surprised to note that the Mason's door was still closed, and there was no sign of the other girl waking up. Linky hadn't really read the girl as being the type to sleep in like this. A quick glance out the window as she sat down to eat showed that this was a good hour past sunrise. 
even after she had finished eating and gone back to her room to make a futile effort at taming her hair and clearing up for the day ahead, her roommate's door remained closed. Linky considered knocking or even cracking the door open to check on her, but the other girl's warning lingered in her mind. Instead, she decided to spend her morning continuing to work on the exercises given for the Arch and Souls technique until it was closer to noon. Sitting cross-legged in the darkened meditation room, simply breathing was oddly relaxing once she had managed to still her thoughts, and Linky quickly found her tightness fading. Without using a spirit stone, she didn't feel any increase in the fragile flicker of warmth remaining from last night's meditation, but it still felt good to sense it breathing along with her. For the first time in recent memory, she felt like she was genuinely good at something. She knew there was probably wishful thinking on her part, but she allowed the thoughts to linger anyway. When she emerged from the meditation room, she found Bai Meisen who had finally awakened. The girl was seated by the hearth sipping from a cup of water, looking just as immaculate as she had the day before. Linky felt a twinge of jealousy as the seemingly ease with which the other girl maintained her appearance. She had long since resigned herself to her own peculiarities. More importantly, the pale girl was different in one major way. The snake she had seen hints of was now fully visible, looped loosely around by Mason's neck. It was an eye-catching thing with the bright green scales that reminded her of expensive jade. It was also quite small, only being about the widest two fingers held together. The snake and girl looked up with an eerie synchronicity as Linky emerged, and she couldn't help but notice that the little snake's eyes were the exact same shade of Mizen's. Before the silence could become awkward, Linky looked back at her roommate's face. Oh, you're up then. Good morning. She didn't feel the need to try and speak better around the other girl, who seemed to have no reaction to it either way. Good morning, Bai Mason responded evenly, not breaking eye contact or blinking. Linky really wished that she would blink more often. Did your cultivation go well? Linky shrugged, feeling a bit self-conscious. She liked to think so, but she had nothing to compare it to. I think so, I mean, I don't think I managed to awaken, but I think I can feel something in my dantian now. Linky stumbled over her words more than she would have liked. The pale girl simply nodded slightly in response, setting down her now-empty cup. That is expected. It would be highly unusual for you to have broken through the Red Soul stage in a single night of cultivation without significantly greater resources. She reached up and idly stroked the tiny spade-shaped head of a serpent with one finger as she spoke and let the reptile press itself against her touch. I cannot imagine you'll fail to achieve it by the end of the week, should you put in the effort." She added, her own tone was as bland as ever, but Linky thought that she was going for encouraging. Maybe. She was also might be putting an ultimatum down. It was hard to tell. Despite that, Linky had the feeling that the girl's views on natural progression speed might be a bit skewed. I know, I'll manage it. She responded with more confidence than she actually felt. I have to go out though, so I'll see you later. She liked to ask more about some of the things the other girl touched on, but she'd be late if she did so. My Mason responded with a small nod as Linky turned to go, turning her full attention back to the serpent around her neck. 
The last sight she had of them was a bright green snake raising its head and hissing and by Mason's ear, almost as if whispering to her. It was clear, bright day, though the autumn chill was quite strong. Linky was relieved to find that her disciple's uniform was warm, despite the fact that it was hardly winter wear. It really was the nicest set of clothing that she had ever owned. She still wanted to modify it a bit, only because of the poor fit. Perhaps she could see about breaking in the sewing kit that had been provided. Such thoughts were kept to the back of her head, as most of Linky's focus was on ensuring that she didn't run across trouble on the way to the plaza. She didn't know if a friendship with Bai Mason would be enough to invite real reprisal, but she didn't feel the need to take chances. With no one actively looking for her, the lack of real crowds, it wasn't difficult to simply take a circuitous route to the edge of the area. Once there, she skirted around the perimeter until she reached the entrance path carved into the mountainside. She kept her head down and slouched subtle to hide her height, making it out without trouble. It would get harder as time went on, but for now, her little tricks for avoiding notice were sufficient. Luckily, there were a few people on the path to the plaza, and those that were traveling it were fairly scattered and too occupied with their own thoughts to pay her any mind. The plaza itself was more populated, and it was here that she first saw older disciples. There were even more of them than the students her own age. Where had they come from? She stuck to the edge of the plaza for a time to observe, but eventually relaxed. None of the older disciples seemed to have any interest in those from her group. In fact, they seemed to be almost pointedly ignoring them as they went about their business. Most headed into a large lecture building, but others simply stood around in groups chatting or heading off down their other. Those hadn't been there yesterday. There was now four other gates, two on the eastern side and two on the western side, marking bars that were wound up and down the mountain. Linky shook her head at the sight. More magic. She really was out of her league. The confidence that she had felt last night and this morning was ebbing quickly. Eventually, she moved out of the shade of the grates and began searching for Han Jian. She knew it was foolish, but between her embarrassment with Sundler Ling and her roommate's uh, taciturn nature, she really was looking forward to some simple, friendly interaction. She couldn't really bring herself to be suspicious of the handsome boy. This was the only reason she paused rather than leave entirely when she caught sight of him already having a conversation with another disciple. It was another boy, shorter by a head than the two of them, but significantly broader at the shoulder and wider at the waist. If anything, he seemed almost Hanjian's opposite, squat and brawny with the fierce features and spiky black hair. She wasn't close enough to hear them over the low murmur of sound from the rest of the plaza, but she did see that the shorter boy was doing most of the talking, gesturing wildly. He seemed to have a rather bombastic personality at first glance. Han Jian's smile seemed pretty fixed. Han Jian met her eyes then, noticing her where she had stopped in the shade of the one of the scattered peach trees. For an instant, Ling Ki saw something like relief in his eyes. That was enough to get her moving again. Once she had gotten closer, Yan Jan raised her hand, interrupting the other boy. 
Nuki, over here. Glad you could make it. That was one way to excuse oneself from a conversation, though she wasn't too pleased about the attention it drew to her. For his part, the shorter boy turned quickly in the direction of Han Jian's gaze, an eager expression on his face, only for it to fade as soon as his eyes landed on her. Lingqi suppressed her frown and instead nodded politely to Han Jian as she closed in the distance. Good morning, Han Jian. I'm sorry if I was late. With him, she felt that she could at least make an effort at politeness. Lingqi glanced at his companion. He was frowning unhappily at her. What was his problem? Who might your... Uh, really, Jian? The shorter boy interrupted, giving the other boy an incredulous look. When I heard the heartbreaker like you was coming out to meet a girl, I thought that I would have a chance to meet a beauty, not a stick with pretensions. His words were loud and coarse, and discounting their content, Ling Qi felt her expression freeze on her face, even as Han Jian winced almost imperceptibly. If she hadn't already noticed his discomfort with the other boy, she might have done or said something unfortunate. As it was, she held back but only just, by clenching her teeth. In the silence that followed, Han Jan managed to rally. You, isn't that a bit much? There's no call to be rude to another practitioner. Besides, I told you that it wasn't anything like that. That is definitely more than a bit much, Linky interjected sourly, glaring at the shorter boy and ignoring the unpleasant twinge that Han Jan's words brought for no reason that she could acknowledge. Yu simply waved his dismissive hand at her, making her temper flare further. He didn't even look at her. She's just a commoner, Jian. You can tell by looking. Are you really going to waste time on this? Linky didn't bother saying anything this time, though her expression grew darker. She couldn't do anything about this now, but she would certainly remember the insult. Han Jian's expression was wary as he responded. I'm not going to break a promise to you. It was probably the least friendly thing that she had ever heard him say. The shorter boy snorted in response. Fine, I suppose I won't begrudge you your tastes, John. Just try not to waste too much time. I won't stand for a brother of mine falling behind. He stomped off on his own as his words faded into the morning air, leaving the two of them standing in awkward silence. Well, Han John seemed awkward. Lunky was seething internally. So, uh, brother, she asked dully, fixing Han Jian with an unimpressed expression. He winced, rubbing the back of his neck with his hand. It was only then that she noticed that the tiger cub was nowhere to be seen. Not by blood. It's just, um, he trailed off, seemingly searching for words. Have you ever had a peer that your parents pretty much ordered you to make nice with? It's like that. Linky had never had that experience, but she could understand what he meant. She had made nice with less pleasant people during her time living in the streets. She felt her temper cooling. It wasn't Han Jian's fault. Heartbreaker, she quirked an eyebrow. Now, the handsome boy just looked tired and exasperated. It's a stupid joke that started a few years back because of a friend's sister. You takes it seriously because, uh... He trailed off as he gestured helplessly to his handsome face. Linky thought he sounded sincere, but she couldn't help but be a bit more wary now. Although, if she were being more reasonable, it was a little silly for a 14-year-old boy to be considered a heartbreaker. 
So what happens now? He sighed. I can give you a few tips on starting your cultivation, and if you would like, I can help you practice a bit like I said I would. He responded sincerely. I'll be going to classes the elders are holding in the afternoon, though. So will I, Linky said, feeling a bit relieved. Will this be a one-time thing, then? I figure I can spare an hour or two every few days, if you'd like. Anjan really did seem almost too nice. His ass of a friend did have a point, though. She was just a commoner. Why was he willing to spend time with her? She would like the answer to be that simply he liked her, but she wasn't sure that she could believe that. I wouldn't like that, Linky considered just asking him, but she couldn't risk offending him and losing his aid. She needed every resource she could get right now. She felt a little sad that the encounter with the other boy had made her suspicious, but it was for the best. Where should we start? she asked. My roommate helped me get a feel for my dantian, and I think I have the first breathing exercise down. Oh, that was fast, Andian said, eyebrows raising. I assume you mean the art and soul exercises, he continued, to which she nodded. I'll leave finishing that to the elder later. If you understand your dantian... I'm not sure I do, Linky admitted. She kind of, uh, brute-forced it. I get that it's your spiritual center and where you store your key, but... She trailed off, spreading her hands in a gesture of helplessness. He gave her a strange look, leaning back against the trunk of the peach tree that they were standing under. Right, that's the gist of it. The dentian's not a physical organ like your heart or your stomach. But exercising and expanding it is the core of improving your ability to hold and use key. Think of it as a heart of your spirit. Linky was vaguely aware of the body's organs from a half-remembered diagram in a physician's text that she had stolen and pawned off last year. She racked her thoughts for information from the text that she had only flipped through in a moment of idleness while waiting for offense. Does that mean that once I awaken it, it'll start moving key through the rest of my body? He smiled, and despite herself, she felt a little warmer. Yeah, but unlike your physical veins, you will have to open your meridians manually. It's, uh, pretty difficult and painful, but you'll need to bear with it because your key won't be able to affect the world without any open channels. Cultivation wasn't as easy as it seemed. Linky took a seat on the bench beneath the tree as they continued to talk, discussing the basics of cultivation. There were a very large number of potential meridians in the human body, and which ones she chose would open would affect which techniques and art she could learn. Arts were what cultivators called their magic, and techniques were individual spells within an art. Much of it went over her head but she thought that she understood the basic idea. Han Jian had wind-aligned meridians open in his legs, as well as fire-aligned meridians through his heart and spine. A practitioner essentially had a limited amount of space in the body to use for channeling key, which allowed the use of arts. A meridian could only channel a single type of key at a time, limiting the number of arts a cultivator could use. As one grew in power, their body could withstand the opening of more meridians, allowing them greater breadth of techniques. It did mean that Linky, who was just starting out, would be limited to a single art at first. That was troubling. 
If the classes turned up nothing on the matter, she might have to ask by Meisen for advice. For all that she did enjoy the time she spent with Han Jian, it couldn't last forever. After an hour or so, she had a slightly better handle on things, and he had corrected some mistakes that she was making with the Archer's Soul exercises. It was with somewhat restored confidence that she walked alongside him to the lecture hall as the sun dripped past its zenith and the time for the afternoon lessons began. End of chapter Chapter number two First steps two The lecture hall was much busier than it had been yesterday. The large board which had held the welcoming banner was now covered with notices written on its polished surface. Even as Han Jian and Lin Qi searched the board for the information on the elders' lesson, some notices vanished while others seemed to write themselves. It was an impressive bit of magic. It seemed as though two elders who had made themselves available had scheduled their lessons such that it was impossible to attend both on the same day. It was a bit frustrating to Lin Qi, but she supposed they must have a reason for it. For now, she chose to head to the spiritual cultivation course. Han Jian had mentioned during their chat that physical cultivation could not be properly started until the potential cultivator's key had been unlocked. Presumably, the spiritual lesson would teach her how to unlock her key. The lecture hall was directed to had perhaps 30 students in it, a far cry from the number in the one that she had entered on her first day. Another difference made itself apparent when the sharp female voice stopped her dead in her doorway. Unawakened disciples on the left, awakened disciples on the right. It seemed the instructor was already here. The elder was a short woman with grey hair done up in a simple and utilitarian bun. She stood behind the lecturer's podium with her arms crossed over her chest, as no-nonsense expression on her severe features. Her tone brooked no disagreement, so Lin Qi slipped from Han Jian, and there was a boy mouthing a silent good luck to her as they did. She appreciated the sentiment as she found a seat with her back to the wall and no immediate neighbors. Once she'd settled in, she studied the instructor. The elder's appearance was a bit strange. She seemed like an old woman in demeanor, and her barked orders and severe expression would fit right in with an elderly woman from her hometown. Yet, despite her gray hair, her face had been ageless quality to it. Not unlined, but certainly not old either. And her full-figured body did not give the impression of being withered with age. Considering what stories she had heard about immortals, that would make sense, she supposed. It was a bit exciting to see proof of the slowed aging that awaited her with success as a cultivator. A few more students struggled in over the next few minutes until, at last, the matronly elder made a sharp gesture with her right hand and the door snapped shut. Consider this my first lesson. Lateness will not be tolerated. She said crisply, sweeping the room with an intimidating stare. If you are late, you will not receive my instruction that day. There will be no exceptions, nor will I allow interruptions. Any purposeful disruption of my lesson will result in immediate expulsion from the room. You will not be allowed back. The few whispers and sounds from the students presented ended immediately, and the elder regarded them silently for a beat. 
Good, you can follow instructions, she said with a small amount of satisfaction. I am Alda Huasu, and I am head of the medicinal department. You will refer to me as Alda Su, physician Su, or instructor, and nothing else. You are here because you have had no instruction in the spiritual arts for whatever reason. There was no judgment in the elder's words, only a statement of fact. Or because you desire expert advice in setting your foundation. In that case, I applaud your humility. All cultivation is rooted in the spiritual. One cannot begin to improve the body with key before that key itself is unlocked and the concepts necessary for all cultivation by their nature ephemeral. Lenki leaned forward slightly in her seat, not wanting to miss a single word. But before we begin, it would be best to split the class as I intended. Lenki blinked in confusion as Alda flicked her wrist, drawing forth a needle and pricking the thumb of her opposite hand. She didn't understand what the older woman was doing until a bright droplet of blood that fell from her thumb swelled and grew on its way to the floor. It shifted through a kaleidoscope of colors as it did and seemed to pull the heat from the room going by a sudden chill. Within seconds, an identical copy of the elder stood at her side. And now, to avoid distraction... It was odd hearing two identical people speak in perfect unison as both raised their hands and gestured again. The room filled with a cloying mist which quickly congealed into a barrier right through the center of the room that blocked Lunky's sight of the other side. It also left him once again with only one instructor. The original, she thought, though she wasn't certain. Key is the root of cultivator's power. Elder Sue began immediately, easily pulling Linky's attention back to her. When you awaken it, you will begin the path of shocking mortal concerns. Food, drink, sleep, all of these can be replaced with key given sufficient cultivation. She said, evenly, panning her gaze over those left in the half of the room. And a good thing it is, walking the path of cultivation does not afford us the time to spend on such things every day. That is to not say that mortal pleasures should be abandoned entirely. She continued, that is a common misconception and a foolish one. Your key is colored and shaped by your experiences and personality. Those who abandon everything in the pursuit of power will find their path to be narrow one indeed. Her lip curled slightly, a display of contempt that seemed out of place in the woman's stern face. Of course, such narrowness does not mean a lack of power, and I expect some of you will fall to that temptation. She paused then as a thin girl with a light blue hair raised a trembling hand near the front of the room. Linky was surprised at the girl's boldness. Alda Sue regarded the girl silently for several moments, but the girl's hand did not lower. The elder's stern expression cracked, and she smiled. Yes, what is your question? The girl lowered her hand, the line on her black shoulders suggesting startlement. Um, I just wondered if you could expand on what you meant. I never, I mean, your instruction is, uh, different than what I've heard before, the girl stammered. What is your name, girl? Elder Sue asked neutrally. The girl shifted uncomfortably, but answered, Lee Suyin, instructor. I see, Alda Sue responded thoughtfully. 
I had intended to expand on the point regardless, but Miss Lee has shown I am willing to allow questions should you not be disruptive in the asking. There are distinct elements to key, and how easily one can channel a given type is largely dependent on the individual and their mindset. It is all too easy to say that a clear and emotionless mind is for the best as it provides a fair baseline for many elements, but one loses something in its practice. Heaven, lake, fire, thunder, wind, water, mountain, and earth, these are but a few of the many aspects key can conform to. Each element is associated with several concepts, emotions, and effects. Those who devote themselves to the well-being of others find the key of earth flowing more easily. Forget joy or pleasure, and your lake key will grow sluggish. Such things are beyond the scope of this introductory lesson. Should you wish to learn more, I strongly suggest you continue attending, she said sternly. More importantly, those who forget the mortal world entirely too often hold themselves up in caves. This does no good for anyone. Hermits are hardly a boon to the Empire. There was a touch of humor in Aldous's voice, but while Linky laughed politely along with the others, she had the feeling that there was more to the older woman's words than a light explanation given. Now, more relevant to newcomers are the stages of cultivation. All of you are, in effect, still mortals, although I see some of you that have begun to awaken your key. Linky fidgeted in her seat as the instructor's gaze briefly rested on her. The first stage of spiritual cultivation is the Red Soul Realm. This realm is then divided into early, middle, and late stages. The next two realms beyond are yellow and green realms. For most cultivators, the green realm is the limit of what they can achieve. Advancing beyond it requires a great deal of talent and dedication, as well as significant physical cultivation to survive the strain such large amounts of key put on the body. The lesson went on like that, with the older woman helping greatly in expanding Ling Ki's understanding of just what she was doing when she filled her dantian, and how to more efficiently guide the energy from spirit stone to her dantian. With her eyes closed and concentrating on her internal energy, Linky could almost feel what she thought were her meridians. It was as if her dantian had dozens of veins branching out from it. But every single one of them was clogged by, uh, something. The weak energy within her couldn't even begin to shift the blockage in the meridians. She felt refreshed, her energy bolstered. By the time the lesson let out, she felt thoughtful as she returned to the little stone home that she shared with Bai Mason and settled for the cultivating for that evening, thinking of how much the previous stone that she had wasted turned her stomach. This time, when she glassed the stone in her hands and closed her eyes, she settled her breathing into the correct pattern and drew only tiny threads of the stone's warm natural key with each breath to trickle into her slowly filling dantian. Time faded away until the flickering warmth in her hands, her breathing, and the growing seed of power within her existed. Her candle burned out and Linky did not notice. The sun set and Linky did not notice. The moment she broke through, Linky did notice. The energy circulating within her dantian pulsed unaided for the first time. Everything 
changed. Her breath was wind, her bones were the earth, her blood was fire, and she felt like her thoughts could expand to cover the heavens. She felt complete like she had never had before. Her dantian burned with energy, and although she stumbled obstructions prevented her from drawing the energy out, the warmth and comfort she felt from simply having it was all too real. Then... The exhaustion hit, a bone-deep tiredness that nearly made her fall asleep where she sat, as if her dantian hungrily drew in her body's energy. She staggered to bed and blacked out. End of chapter Chapter 3 First Steps 3 Linky awoke the next morning, feeling full of energy despite her exhaustion the night before. She didn't need a change of clothing as she had fallen asleep in her uniform. She had a few additional sets, so she didn't have to worry about laundry just yet. She would have to find a place to bathe soon, though. Was it strange to be concerned about something so mundane when she had just taken her first steps into the world of immortals? Linky thought so. But hadn't Aldersu said yesterday that neglecting mortal concerns entirely was a bad idea? Linky finished changing to her left the room. By Mason was awake and already seated cross-legged by the hearth, sipping on the cup of water again. There was no sign of a breakfast tray or any other food. In retrospect, Linky had never actually seen By Mason eat. Perhaps the other girl was using her key to suppress her appetite. Elder Sue had explained that it was possible to expend key to suppress or even satisfy the body's need for food and water. Linky didn't think she could manage to do so for very long yet. She didn't want to stand here staring, so she stepped up and nodded at the girl. Good morning, she greeted cautiously. Both Mason and her pet looked up in unison, and the pale girl dipped her head in response. Good morning, and congratulations on your awakening. I take it your lesson was fruitful. Linky seated herself across from the other girl. It was. I guess you didn't need the lesson. I didn't see you there, Linky responded, idly smoothing the fabric of her uniform as she got comfortable. I attended Instructor Zhao's lesson, by Mason said calmly. It was uh, intense, but I feel I benefited from it. The little snake coiled loosely around Mason's neck, twisted its head and looked at its owner, flicking its tongue out several times. By Mason glanced at it with a slight frown. Zhao, that was the name of the instructor for the physical cultivation, Linky recalled. I don't know if it's rude to ask, but um, what stage are you at? Linky asked after a few moments of companionable silence. The question had occurred to her later in Alder Sue's lesson, and it hadn't quite left her mind. Second sin shedding by Mason immediately answered. She must have noticed Linky's confusion because an expression of chagrin crossed her face. Middle yellow stage spirit cultivation, she amended. I'm not yet used to using the um standardized terms. My Mason was very far ahead then. Linky was a little discouraged to know that she was so far behind. Are most of the other disciples that advanced? Linky asked, somewhat dreading the answer. And what do you mean by standardized? No, those in the yellow stage can be counted on the fingers of one hand. The pale girl responded dismissively. Most of our peers are no higher than the middle of red soul stage. 
Old families such as mine have their own traditions and terms for cultivation. The terms disciples are taught to use here are only a handful of millennia old. The standard terms were coined during the establishment of the current imperial dynasty. Linky nodded, feeling relieved that she wasn't trading quite so far behind as she had feared. Her roommate was simply unusual. It seemed strange that someone as strong as her would be so ostracized. She would think about everyone that would want to be friends with the most powerful people. She didn't want to press the other girl for information on something that might be personal, though. Is that why you came here with the spirit beast already? Linky asked, researching for a thread to keep the conversation going. She could sense the key a little snake now. I've seen a couple others who have them too. Do your families give them out? Bai Mason frowned harshly at her. The snake's head twitched towards her as well, leaving Linky subject to two baleful and unblinking stares. What did she say? After a moment, the other girl sighed, glanced at her pet and made a brief, soft hissing sound, reaching up to stroke the serpent's bright green scales. I'll forgive the insinuation since you are not aware. It is partially my fault as well for not having introduced her properly. Bai Mason fixed Linky with a serious look. This is my cousin, Bai Kui. Please do not refer to her as she was a pet. Linky stared blankly at her. How does that even... D- She's a snake. How is she your cousin? Linky asked incredulously. The snake, Kui, Linky reminded herself, hissed softly in what could almost be mistaken for laughter. I know it's not an approved practice anymore, but really, how can you not know such things? By Mason huffed in annoyance. She's my cousin because our sublime ancestor is the white serpent, Lake Hay. We are from two branches of the same family. Linky closed her eyes, trying very hard not to picture the, uh, mechanics of such an arrangement. Did that mean that Han Jian, too? She couldn't help but picture a tall boy with a pair of fuzzy cat ears atop his head. I, um, right. Sorry, Linky eventually managed. You just don't really hear about that kind of thing in the little city I came from. She finished with a touch lamely. Bai Mason simply nodded, not appearing to hold it against her. I think, Bai Mason began slowly, I should attempt to educate you on a few matters, if only to ensure that you do not offend somebody unintentionally in the future. Linky blinked in surprise, even as she felt a hint of dread at having to learn a bunch of information not even related to her cultivation. Still, she had been intending to spend time with other girls in this week. Despite her unsettling presence, Bai Mason had already helped Linky once. That could be quite useful, Linky hedged. What did you have in mind? Linky did not have the luxury of being choosy when it came to friendly contacts. Nothing complex, the other girl assured her. Just a bit of history and some knowledge about nobility. Enough to prevent you from making a fool of yourself. Linky did not trust the way that Koi appeared to be doing the serpentine equivalent of laughing aloud. That sounds fine, she responded, despite her better judgment. Really, how bad could it be? Quite bad, she thought gloomily as she trudged through the plaza for the first lesson on physical cultivation. By Mason was not a gifted teacher. Her diction was dry. Her dispassionate tone made it all too easy to nod off. Still, she couldn't say the information was useless. Despite the dryness of the lesson, Linky found herself remembering most of it, which was strange. 
she had never been particularly great at academic learning before. Maybe it was a side effect of her awakening. Her thoughts had felt clearer since she had broken through, and it felt much easier to recall information. She could ask Alda Sue tomorrow, but now she had a lesson to get to and she had no intention of being late. Once again, she walked alone. By Mason had declined to come along, citing the need to perform some kind of personal meditation. Linky slipped through the crowd with practiced ease and soon found herself on a new path. It spiraled up the east side of the mountain and ended on a smaller plateau with a number of wide fields divided by posts and rope barriers. Each field was equipped with racks full of practice weapons, weights, and other equipment reminiscent of the guardsman's drilling yard back home writ large. She saw various older disciples scattered about, performing exercises, running, and other slightly incomprehensible things. Was that boy balancing himself on the point of one finger? Why? Shaking her head, she hurried past the two to the field in the end where the crowd of disciples her age was waiting. There, she saw a boy with a sunburned scar she had noticed on the first day, as well as the awesome you fellow. Peering into the morning fog as she got closer, she searched for the instructor. She saw the silhouette of a taller figure standing beyond the crowd. She stopped dead as she got a look at him. The first thought, and indeed the only thought that came to Linky, was muscles. The man standing with his arms clasped behind his back was shirt and looked like he'd been carved from a block of solid bronze. His biceps were easily as thick as another man's thighs, and she had no idea that it was even possible to have that many clearly defined abdominal muscles. Linky flushed scarlet and averted her eyes when she noticed that she had been staring rather undignified manner at the instructor. Luckily, no one seemed to have noticed her losing her composure. When she looked back, she focused on his face. She looked as she would expect, stern expression, a wide square jaw, her short, evenly cropped hair tied back in a top knot. Still, feeling slightly ashamed of her initial breaking composure, Lungi did her best to fade into the crowd and not draw attention to herself until the lesson started. She did not have to wait too long. Only a few other students bolted in to join the murmuring crowd standing before the utterly silent instructor. She might have thought the man's statue were it not for the rise and fall of his chest. She wasn't staring. She wasn't. Then he spoke, and the disciples quieted immediately. Those who were here yesterday began running. His voice held an authoritative tone that brooked no argument and sent Linky's instincts on edge. A good two-thirds of the students immediately began to move away, towards the well-beaten dirt track around the edge of the field. Those of you who remain, he continued, without once looking their way, I expect your full effort for the length of every lesson. Disciples consistently giving less than that in the tasks I assign will be expelled from the lesson. I will not provide a second chance. Linky was feeling a bit of deja vu with the similarity with the other elders' speech. I will not mince words. I am only here at a direct request from Master Yuan, the sect head. Most of you will never serve in my unit at the border. Most of you do not have the resolve to be a part of the Empire's bulwark. I train those who act as the wall which keeps the cloud tribes from the towns and cities. A single failure of attention can bring ruin to an entire settlement. 
I am not in the habit of training those who only intend to be here long enough to gain some piddling strength to establish themselves in a court or a clan. Several disciples shifted on their feet, and Linky saw some angry and indignant expressions, as well as worry and other emotions. The instructor pushed on, as implicatable as a glacier. I am Zhao, the indomitable, the commander of the sect military. And for some reason, the sect head thinks that you have the potential to be taught by me. He barked, voice carrying over the field. I expect the most of you will disappoint him. One or two of the crowd were looking rather mutinous, but Linky noticed that those who had been here the day before had their eyes firmly fixed ahead, not reacting to his words as they ran. She caught a mutter from one of the boys in front of her. One of a handful of young men standing in a loose group near the bastard you. Of course, she had heard it. She was not surprised that the elder had heard it as well. Repeat what you just said, boy, the instructor commanded, moving to the first time to point accusing finger at the speaker. The boy immediately went pale, looking around for support, only to find his companions conspicuously turning their faces away. He swallowed, but seemed to find his spine a moment later. I said, I said, I said uh, the fighting nomads was not so impressive, he said miserably. They are just, uh, just barbarians, you know. Any decent imperial soldier should be able to crush them. Is that so? Zhao responded blandly. Bevitting on his foot, he reached over to the nearby weapon rack and tossed one of the blunted practice spears on it at the boy. To his credit, the boy caught it with barely a fumble. You have a mid-gold rank physique, as I understand it, that is roughly average for most interior city guard officers. Correct. The boy nodded with a hint of pride. Very well. Strike me. The boy blinked. Sir? Did I stutter, boy? Zhao asked coldly, taking a step forward. I said, strike me. Strike me as if you were trying to kill me. The boy continued to hesitate, and Alder Zhao took another step forward. Strike now, or I will have you expelled from the sect. That seemed to break the boy's hesitation, and he stabbed forward towards the instructor's throat. It appeared like a skilled strike to Lunky's inexperienced eye. Zhao made no effort to dodge, stepping forward to meet it. The iron grip of the spear stuck against Instructor Zhao's neck and bent for an instant before the pressure snapped the wooden haft and the Instructor's hand swept out in a blur. The next thing she knew, the boy was rolling across the field a half-dozen feet away, whimpering and clutching a rapidly swelling cheek. Zhao looked as impassive as ever as he withdrew his extended hand. I did not use my key in any active way, he explained clinically, nor did I strike with even a fraction of my strength. He fixed a glare at each of them in turn as he continued. I have met several nomad Khans who could match me in combat. I have met more still who could least put up a fight. To underestimate the Empire's enemies is to invite death to our people. Am I understood? Linky found herself nodding along with the other disciples present. Not a single one hesitated when he commanded them to run and to not stop until he commanded it. What followed were the most miserable and grueling hours of exertion that Linky could recall. Instructor Zhao was utterly without pity for any of them. 
but at the same time, he seemed to have a petronatural sense for when they were genuinely couldn't be pushed any further. Those that had reached their limits with more conventional exercise were set to meditating under his watch, while being instructed to, um, diffuse their key throughout their bodies. This would allow the key to soak into the flesh and bones rather than gathering up in the dantian. They were to practice the key exercises until the instructor decided that they had recovered enough to resume the more physical exercises. Unlike her earlier efforts at cultivation, Linky felt that her progress was quite slow. She could definitely feel something happening, but it was frustrating feeling most of her key that she attempted to diffuse simply wasted away into the air. Her mood wasn't helped by the soreness of her muscles as she trudged back home off the evening. Yet, despite her exhaustion, Linky found herself feeling a bit of wonder. By cycling her key according to the freshly mastered first stage of Argent Soul Art, she had been able to run faster and longer than she could have managed even just days ago. When she stumbled and fell, her key fled instinctively to shield her palms against the scrapes that she would have normally received. If she was already capable of this only after two days of cultivation, just what wonders would the future hold? End of chapter Chapter 4, First Steps Number 4 It was very easy to fall into a routine, wake up, cultivate, share a few words with Maizen, attend lessons and spend time with Han Jian here and there. Just after a week, it felt like she had been doing this forever. Her newfound ability to retain information was really a boon. She could not imagine actually remembering most of the minutiae by Mason discussed with her or the dense lectures of Elder Sue without the clarity of thought cultivation had brought her. She shouldn't have been surprised. Her mortals were supposed to be superior to mortals in every way. Her rapid awakening had actually brought a brief smile to the Elder Sue's strict lips. It was the first time in years that Lin Ki had felt genuinely proud of herself. Now awakened, she was able to join the other half of the class. Han Jian was a great help in getting her through the material that she had missed. Most of it was an expansion of what he had been teaching her in the brief meetings. The second half of the spiritual class was focused on opening her meridians. I'm not sure I understand, Linky admitted. What exactly is an impurity? She asked Han Jian as they rested on the bench beneath one of the plaza's trees after their lesson. Despite her earlier resolve, she still lacked the confidence to ask questions in the lesson itself. You can probably debate a scholar about that for weeks, Han Jian said with a chuckle. Basically, it's all the toxins and impure materials that poison our bodies and spirits. You're born with them, and they only get worse with age. Everything in the world has impurities in it, but the closer you come to the peak of cultivation, the less you have. That explained why she felt like she had been crawling through a sewer pipe after a long afternoon trying to work the meridian open. Linky thought sourly. So meridians are actually in the body, she asked, because last week we learned that our Dantians were wholly spiritual. Your meridians are what bring your key into the physical world, so they exist both physically and spiritually. But you can't physically interact with the channels themselves, except when the aid of certain arts or talismans. Where you carve the channels in your body also decides what type of energies they can carry. I suppose that makes sense, Linky sighed. As they parted ways, his words echoed in her thoughts. Linky 
had advanced to the point where she would have to choose what kind of meridian to work on opening, and that would affect what art she would be able to use at first. Meridians were defined by a part of the body their exit points manifested in. Meridians in the legs were primarily used for movement techniques, while arm meridians were best for energy projection and techniques focused on direct harm. Spinal meridians were primarily used for techniques which enhanced or modified the self, and the heart meridians were the best for techniques which created various effects in a field around the user. One could also open meridians which emerged from the head and affected the senses or those from the throat which were associated with the lungs and allowed for the creation of key constructs. However, Aldasu had warned the disciples that head and lung meridians were poor choices for the first because a misstep in opening those could cause major harm. It was one of the more concerns amongst the others that were piling up. Even with her quick advancement, Linky was still amongst the weakest people of the mountain. She had never really been strong, but in her own hometown that hadn't mattered much. There were enough people that she could always slip away and vanish into a crowd, and few people, aside from the owner, really cared if several loaves of bread or a bag of rice went missing. Here, there is just over a thousand people on the outer sector of the mountain. Only one resource, spirit stones, mattered. Linky herself was beginning to feel the pinch in her limited supply. True, if she didn't foolishly glut on the energy held within like she did on the first night, a single stone could provide for a week of cultivation. But she knew instinctively that she could advance faster with a greater supply. More than once, she had found herself considering if she could acquire more, at her peer's expense. Of course, she wouldn't consider doing that to buy Mason. Despite the taciturn girl's friendliness towards her, there was always a feeling of danger around the girl. No, she would not even dare to brace herself within Bai Mason's personal space without a direct invitation. On the other hand, some of the other girls she passed on a circuitous route of the residential area were sloppy and inattentive in the same way as the wealthier inhabitants of her hometown could be. She was very certain that she could filch from them without being noticed. However, it wasn't a step that she wanted to take without thought. If she did get caught, the consequences would probably be unpleasant. At the very least, it would earn her a bad reputation, and her standing wasn't exactly very high to begin with. Her standing was something else that didn't little for her mood. Even here, she was mostly sneered at and ignored by the so-called peers, only Han Jian and Bai Mazen treated her politely. It was beginning to bother her in a way that she had a hard time articulating. Those thoughts returned to her again the next day as she sat beside Han Jian in the plaza gardens. She had been working on stabilizing her cultivation, smoothing out a few imbalances that her rapid growth had left in her energy. As the two of them meditated under the eaves of one of the entry plaza's scattered trees, she found her thoughts bubbling with a simple question. Why was he doing this? She couldn't really offer him anything, and yet he was helping her anyway. It was suspicious. He hadn't even alluded to her owing him, which only increased her wariness. She glanced over to where he sat cross-legged in the grass, hands on knees and eyes closed, the tiger cub Hygen was with him today, although the lazy feline was asleep in his lap as Hygen was the most times that they did this. Finally, she could stand her own distraction no more. 
Why are you still meeting me? Her voice broke the tranquil silence. She wasn't good at subtlety when it came to this kind of thing. I appreciate the help, but it doesn't make sense. Her words pulled Han Jian out of his meditation. He cracked open an eye and regarded her curiously. What brought the sun? I've seen you around. You never lack someone to talk to or a partner with an exercises. Linky responded, doing her best to avoid sounding accusatory. You have a higher cultivation than me as well, so uh, why are you helping me? She didn't exactly stalk him, but she had hung around after their meetings a few times to keep a surreptitious eye on him during the lessons. It seemed that Han John knew many people, and most of them were, if not friendly, then at least accepting of his presence. He relaxed from his stiff meditation and leaned back against the tree trunk behind him. Do I need a reason? He asked slightly, reaching down and scratching Hygen behind the ears. You aren't totally unpleasant to be around, you know. He added with a hint of teasing. Linky frowned, watching him out of the corner of her eye. There was something slightly off about his expression. No one does something without a reason, she replied stubbornly. I know I'm not uh, popular, and I lack the power to make up for that. Spending time with me must degrade your own reputation, too. Linky saw a flicker of something angry in Han Jian's expression, a crack in his friendly demeanor but it disappeared too fast for her to be sure that she had even seen it. I think you're underestimating yourself. You broke through to the first stage in less than a week. That earned you some positive attention, he said. Linky didn't miss the deflections in his words. Besides, everyone can use a little downtime, you know. She considered his words for a few moments. So, I'm an excuse to get away from others. She might not be the most social interactions, but she still liked to think that she was reasonably perceptive. He sighed, glancing up the sky. Don't read too much into things, Linky. He responded tightly. It doesn't do any good to get hung up on the little stuff. He was right on that much, and she was better than this. She hadn't lived as long as she had by moping about silly things, even if she wished that he had said that he enjoyed spending time with her. Right, she said, not quite agreeing and now willing to argue with him over it. Ah, I'd almost forgotten. There was something I'd wanted to ask you about. Instructor Zhao seemed to leave out of his lectures. Han Jian smiled, relaxed now to see that she'd changed the subject. What's that? He's pretty thorough. He never explained what the levels of physical cultivation are. Blinky responded with a frown. There was some mention of gold rank, but I don't know what that means. Ah... I suppose that makes sense. He probably mentioned it on the first day and simply didn't bother repeating it the second time. Han Jian responded reasonably, eyeing Aijin as the cub bounded off his lap and chased after a passing butterfly. The progression is gold, silver, and then bronze. There are realms of bronze, but like a spiritual realm, after green, we don't need to worry about that for a while. Isn't that backwards? Why is gold in the lowest realm? Let me see if I can remember how my tutor put it, Han Jian said, humming thoughtfully to himself. Gold is a malleable metal, easily shaped, just like a young cultivator, yet it is also soft and easily damaged. He put on a slightly mocking, serious voice as he recited the words, causing Linky to smile slightly. Returning to his normal voice, he added, it is also at least valuable metal for immortals. It isn't particularly good for talismans, and accumulating a mortal fortune is pretty trivial for any immortal with decent skills. It just isn't important to us in the same way it is to mortals. 
Blinking nodded thoughtfully, her smile fading. It made sense, she supposed. She still couldn't see herself turning down a pile of gold coins. She had other things she needed to ask, though. Thank you. On another note, would you mind if I asked you for advice on clearing the heart meridian as well? Now that I've reached the first stage, I want to be able to actually use my key. Surprised, Han Jian raised an eyebrow. You're going for the heart. Most people go for an arm or a spine for the first meridian. Lin Qi gave him an unsure look. Is there something wrong with opening the heart first? You have heart meridians open too. Well, yeah, but I'm expected to lead, he responded easily, wincing as Hyjin returned to nip Betty's fingers. He glared down at the kitten before continuing. I didn't take you for the leader type. Linky hunched her shoulders a bit. She didn't really feel like she was a leader either, but she was not given to catch up in a raw strength any time soon. Increasing her value as a support type would make it easier for Bai Mason's goodwill, or some other group ever came down to it. I have my reasons, she responded stubbornly. Anjan regarded her quietly for a moment, but then shrugged slightly. Well, all right. First thing to keep in mind is that you need the time to keep pulses to your heartbeat. If you don't, you'll risk making your heart seize up. The more precise the timing, the better off you'll be. Linky leaned forward, listening intently. She would do this, and she wouldn't fail. End of chapter. Chapter 5, First Steps Number 5 Linky's next few days were marred by long periods of exhausting meditation, interspersed with the frightening brushes, with mortality when control of a key slipped and sent her heart beating erratically. Carving open a channel for a key was a painstaking task. Completing it meant that she could begin learning to attune it to an element and practice the simplest of arts. Time spent in lessons and private cultivation blurred together as she focused on her goal. Her breakthrough finally came during the last of Elder Sue's lessons that week. With the lecture over, the class was allowed to cultivate under the Elder's watchful eye. In her seat at the back of the room, Linky slowed her breathing and continued to push the key through the slowly opening spiritual channel. At first, things receded as normal, her key pulsing in time with her heartbeat. Suddenly, her breathing hitched as she felt something within a crumble. With no more spiritual detritus blocking its way, her key gushed outwards, engrossed in a sudden feeling of soaring freedom. She was only vaguely aware of the startled gasps of the sound of rushing wind from around her. Linky opened her eyes, blinking in wonder at the new feelings. She suddenly felt so, uh, aware... She could feel the smooth material in her uniform on her skin and the tiny motions of air around her. She could hear the sounds of rustling cloth as a person on her right side shifted away from her and her own clothes flapped in an invisible breeze. Please, settle yourself, Disciple Key. She was startled from her contemplation by the sudden presence of Elder Sue in the aisle to her left. Even with a new awareness, she hadn't been able to feel the Elder approaching. Her cheeks coloring slightly at the mild reprimand, she did her best to follow the instructions, trying to regain the flow of her key. The phantom breeze weakened but did not die as she worked to regain control. The elder continued up the steps of the aisle, stopping as she came to stand beside Linky's seat. It seems your natural key has a tinge of wind to it, the older woman said quietly. In the silence of the room, her words range cut out clearly. 
Do you require a moment outside to compose yourself? Ling Qi felt uncomfortable as she felt the attention of the other disciples settle on her. At the same time, she felt pride to the fact that Elder Su was addressing her directly and unprompted at that. No, Elder Su. The matronly woman fixed Ling Qi with a gaze that seemed to peer through her. I see. You've been doing quite well so far. The older woman flicked her sleeve, and Linky blinked at the jade token appeared on the desk in front of her. Take this to the archive. The supervisor there will allow you to take a copy of one of the arts from the first floor. Archive? She had no idea where that was. She had no idea there was even an archive, but Elder Sue was already moving away. She didn't want to make herself appear foolish by having to ask, so she remained silent. As pleased as she was to be given this, she was well aware that any chance she had of modeling along beneath notice had just vanished. Thank you, Elder, she managed to say, lowering her head in respect, even as she carefully hid away the jade token that she'd been given. It looked mundane, but she wasn't about to risk losing it. The rest of the lesson proceeded normally. Ninki used her remaining time to practice getting used to the feeling of ki flowing through her open meridian. As Linky hurried to disappear into the crowd, the disciples leaving the lessons, she was brought up short. Um, Miss Ling, Miss Ling, can you please wait a moment? An out-of-breath female called from behind her. Linky glanced behind herself warily and slowed down. She had made it out of the plaza and there were many people around, so it was unlikely that someone was going to try something. What she saw when she turned around was a girl she recognized from her lessons with Alda Sue, Lee Suyun, if she recalled correctly. Lee Suyun had a long, light blue hair and the sort of slim, petite figure that most of the female disciples did. She was just rather plain, though, much like Linky herself. The girl lacked the obvious cosmetics or accessories that the wealthier girls used to show off. But Lee Siyun was still too pale and unblemished to be a commoner. She was also red-faced from exertion. It looked like she had to run to catch up with Ling Ki, and she didn't seem very fit physically. What do you need? Ling Ki asked. The other girl had never been rude to her or jostled her in the hall so she could afford to be polite. The other girl seemed relieved that Ling Ki had stopped. I'm glad I caught you today. You always disappear so quickly after lessons. Lee Suyin sat between breaths, smoothing her gown nervously with her hands. I, uh, well, I was hoping you might consider helping me. Linky stared at her. What could Lee Suyin want help with? The other girl had awakened earlier this week, so Linky wasn't exactly that far ahead of her. I don't see how I could help, Linky replied bruntly. Lee Suyin fidgeted under her gaze. Well, you have advanced so quickly. It took me a month to reach this point. I was hoping that we could discuss the differences in our methods and that I could observe your cultivation in private. Her voice seemed to get smaller and smaller as she went on. By the end, Lin Su Yin wasn't even looking her in the eye anymore. I'm sorry, I'm aware that it is a very rude request. Lenki felt awkward about being asked for help. She was also more than a little suspicious. She couldn't imagine that she would be much help to the other girl either. I'll think about it, she said. Give me a few days to consider it. Of course, the other girl said hurriedly. Um, well, if you want to, we can meet after the lessons. 
She glanced back at Linky's skeptical face for a moment before her shoulders slumped a little. I, um, well, uh, I will stop bothering you. It, it is obvious that you're very busy. Li Suyin began to hurry away, leaving Linky to wonder if the girl's nerves were truly genuine. It didn't feel like a deception. She couldn't see herself benefiting from the discussion either, but her thoughts returned to Hanjian, where the situation was reversed. Li Suyin, she called out. I'll make some time in a few days, all right. The nervous girl, having stopped at her call, beamed at her, offering a hasty but grateful bow. Thank you very much. When Linky returned home, she was surprised to see the light lit hearth in the window by Mason kept erratic hours. Sometimes Linky would never even see her arrive at their shared home in the evening. By Mason also had strange habits. Linky had never once seen the girl eat a single grain of rice or so much as sip a bowl of soup, for example. Even when Linky offered to share her meals, they were refused. She had seen the other girl with a trickle of blood on her chin one late morning. By Mason had wiped it away in moments after Linky's stare. Linky had not felt brave enough to ask about it given the other girl's frosty expression. Oddities aside... Why Mason was helpful in her own taciturn and condescending way. As Linky settled in for the evening and finished her simple dinner, she ended up speaking with the girl, resuming their lessons on the boring minutia of noble etiquette. I'm still not really sure I understand, but uh, are you saying that all noble families have a sublime ancestor? Is that some kind of tradition that someone has to um, marry a spirit to make their line noble? Linky's expression was strange as she tried to pass by Mason's explanation on how the ranking and position amongst noble clans worked. All of the truly well-established families have or had such a non-human ancestor. Only an exalted few can claim to have a sublime ancestor. The pale girl explained with a hint of impatience. I do not understand why you have to have such trouble with the idea. By Mason added irritably. A few sublime ancestors have died or disappeared, but this should still be common knowledge. The relationship between powerful cultivator and their bound spirits has always been close. Linky had found by Mason had strange ideas of what constituted common knowledge. What do you mean by bound spirits? Linky asked, eyeing the green scales visible under the neckline of by Mason's gown. Is that why Cooey seems like she shares your key? She still wasn't very good at feeding other people's energy, but she was around the two of them often enough to feel the oddity. When a cultivator reaches the second stratum, the yellow realm, it becomes possible to bond with a spirit, whether a beast or pure. This serves to strengthen both parties, allowing them to cultivate together and share their growth to a degree. It also serves to humanitize the spirit, making it easier for the spirit to interact and understand us. Linky nodded thoughtfully, reaching out of warm hands beneath the hearth. It was beginning to get cold in the evenings. She didn't follow everything by Mason had just said, but the gist was simple. So, um, so he's at that point, she murmured to herself, thinking about Han Jian. She hadn't thought that he was that advanced. That boy is not yet bonded with his familiar partner. By Mason's voice shook her out of her contemplation. He yet remains at the peak of Red Realm. Linky blinked, turning back to Mizen. How did you know who I was thinking of? The other girl's unsettling gaze slipped to the side. The silence became awkward. 
I uh, observed you with him once. It seemed obvious who you were thinking of, my maze replied. Well, it wasn't like she had a cause to complain. She'd done some shadowing, too. Right. Anyway, you were telling me about how noble families rank against each other. Is it just who has the strongest ancestors, or is it determined by the heavenly mandate like the imperial seat? She might as be uneducated peasant, but even she was aware of some things. By Mason's lips curled up in disdain. I forget sometimes that prevalence of imperial propaganda. She muttered more to herself than Linky. The clan holding the imperial seat is chosen by who can hold it against their rivals. The current dynasty hold is maintained by their control of the supply of spirit stones in the great mines of Mount Tai, as well as the web of alliances the mines have given them. Linky's eyes widened at the casual and disdainful description. It was uncomfortable to hear someone speak of the imperial throne in that way. It just, uh, wasn't done. But doesn't the dragon throne incinerate false claimants? There were all sorts of stories of wicked schemers destroyed for daring to touch the throne. Certainly, by Mason responded, her irritation showing in the sibilant undertone of the colored words. However, the first emperor and creator of the throne was a very promiscuous man. Almost every noble family of any pedigree is descended from him. Feeling rather uncomfortable with the subject matter, Linky soon changed it, but she now felt it an inkling of why Bison was so isolated. Was a family out of favor with the imperial court? The thought was unsettling enough to cut her sleep that night. This was very unhelpful the next day as she trudged towards the training grounds before sunrise for another lesson from Aldazau. If she were honest, the lessons were probably her least favorite times on the mountain. The man was merciless taskmaster, and every time she attended, she went home exhausted, sore, and filthy with sweat and dirt. She wasn't afraid of getting dirty, but Linky had never imagined that she could be that tired. She felt some pride that she was one of the only score or so of girls who regularly showed up and kept up. She saw Mizen once or twice, as well as Sun Leling, both of whom were irritating in different ways. Mizen, because the snow white girl never seemed to tire properly and never sweated at all, no matter how hard she worked. Sun Leling, because whenever she showed up, she got the instructor's personal attention. There were no more incidents like the first day. No student spoke back or interrupted Instructor Zhao again. Not even the boy still nursing a bruise from last week. Their instructor spoke little. When he did, Zhao's lectures were oddly mundane, in that he spoke little of cultivation matters but more of fitness. Actual exercise was needed alongside meditation to allow Ki to properly seep into the muscles and bones. And he constantly reminded them that keeping their bodies in peak mundane health was necessary for laying the foundation for their physical cultivation. A cultivator's body degraded slower than a mortal's, much slower as they grew stronger. Once she reached the peak, it wouldn't be difficult to stay there. But here, at the beginning, she could not afford to slack at all. Not that she intended to. Linky was all too aware of how much she would benefit from having an immortal's body. Sickness, disease, starvation, all the ugly things that she had spent her life worrying about could be cast aside and forgotten if she just exercised hard enough. How could she not put her full effort into it? 
So, despite her difficulties, Ling Ki stubbornly pushed on with her cultivation, doing her utmost to focus her ki into her exhausted muscles during her periods of meditation. Today, despite its miserable beginnings, her cultivation paid off. It happened as she was in the midst of a set of push-ups, a cool-down from a more intensive exercise. It was as if she had been straining against a great weight tied to her back, only for it to suddenly vanish. Vitality flooded the tired limbs, banishing her fatigue and lingering tiredness like a morning mist before the sun. Her body felt lighter than it ever had before, and aches that she had forgotten that she even had faded away. Good! Get up and join the third group. Linky's gaze snapped up as he found herself staring at a vertical mountain of muscle that was Instructor Zhao. How did Aldous do that? Hastily nodding, she stood, not trusting herself to respond without stuttering something embarrassing. No matter how harsh she was, the elder man was very, uh, distracting up close. Moving towards the group of students who had reached the early gold stage, she paused as Alda Zoe spoke again. Do not slow down, you are still far behind your peers. His words stung a bit, but they were true. Gritting her teeth in determination, Linky set herself to driving her body to exhaustion once again. After Alda Zhao's lesson, Linky dragged her tired body to the narrow path which led to the archive. She had learned of its location by listening in on the other groups of disciples coming and going. Although her muscles ached and her lungs burned with exertion, she did not want to put this off any longer. She wished the location was more convenient. The archive was around a tower rising up on top of a cliff, and the path she walked was a narrow switchback carved into the face of it, steep and dangerous. Even as tired as she was, though, Linky felt no concern. Through her limbs were dragged, her balance was more perfect than ever. Reaching the top, she took a moment to catch her breath and then proceeded forward. It took a moment for her to figure out the door. Apparently, she needed to slot the token Aldersu had given her into it. But once slotted, the door swung open, opening the archive to her. Soon, she would have an art of her own. End of chapter. Chapter 6. Exam Prep Number 1. Linky rubbed her eyes, trying to banish the blur of exhaustion. Scattered on the table before her were a half dozen open scrolls, dense with text and diagrams. The archive supervisor had been able to explain the archive's organization, but even limiting her search to arts which only needed a single heart meridian for initial level, the number that she had to sift through had been vast. There were no windows in the archive, only hanging lanterns that burned without flame, but Ling Ki suspected that it was nearing sunrise. There were simply so many options, and she could only take a single one. Each art would allow her to perform feats that she could not have imagined a scarce few weeks before. The Burning Heart art would allow her to inspire courage and banish fear, as well as project blazing heat in the wake of her movements. The Earth Root art would fill her limbs with the strength and slow the enemies with the weighty energies of the Earth. The Crimson Flowing art would allow her to sense the flow of blood in things around her and staunch her own wounds with a thought and these were only a few of the available arts. Linky's gaze drifted to another scroll on the table. 
Zephyr's breath art was a set of techniques for manipulating the currents of air around the user to speed allies and impede foes. It was an art for making projectiles fly true and for avoiding direct confrontation. In other words, it fit her well, but did she want it? She was a cultivator now. She could, uh, she could do whatever she wanted. Did she want to keep running away? Linky let out an explosive sigh. She was being silly. Looking at her peers, she had no business being able to simply do as she pleased. Elder Sue had mentioned that her key had a natural wind nature, so Zephyr's breath really was her best choice for being able to quickly defend herself. It was only the first choice after all. The meridians could be reattuned. Linky decisively snatched up the scroll. She wavered as she stood up and shook her head, took control of her breathing and cycled her key to push the exhaustion back for a moment. Once she cleaned up, then traded the scroll for a jade slip encoded with its contents, she could get some sleep. She just hoped that she didn't end up missing Alda Sue's lesson by oversleeping. Days passed, and Linky found limited success in getting her new art to work. The finesse required to create more than directionless bursts of wind eluded her yet. By channeling the flows of her key left her feeling exhausted, her single meridian burning with discomfort. It seemed that her body needed more tempering yet. She was not yet ready to make use of her art, but that day would come soon if she were willing to work hard. She was sure of it. Elder Sue's lessons were slowly improving her ability to cycle and manipulate key. Mastering the next stage of the Argent Soul was also promised a great deal of improvements to her stamina, and in a few days, she was going to be meeting that girl, Li Suyin, to share cultivation ideas. As for Alda Zhao, well, these lessons continued to be both a blessing and a trial. Linky's limbs trembled with exhaustion, her muscles burning from the strain of holding herself in a difficult pose. Instructor Zhao had forced him to take up for meditation this week. The meditation had begun with simple stretches, but had quickly progressed to difficult and highly uncomfortable exercises. Muscles she didn't even know she had were sore, and the sweat trickled down her forehead despite the mountain chill kept stinging her eyes. Linky doggedly kept her attention on Instructor Zhao as he paced between the rows of disciples, muscular arms clasped behind his back. As a cultivator, you cannot afford to neglect any part of your body. Physical cultivation is, at its core, an endless exercise in balance and unity. Lose the balance or cultivate some part out of sync and you will tear your own body apart. The elder lectured, pausing now and then to not so gently nudge a disciple back into a proper position. At this low stage of cultivation, you may suffer torn muscles, broken bones, and other minor injuries. One of the boys in elder's left collapsed mid-movement, his leg giving up beneath him. The elder waved the boy off to cool down. The repercussions of failure only grow with your cultivation. You do not wish to make such mistakes when you begin reinforcing the major organs. Linky gritted her teeth as muscles in her back cried out from being extended for so long. One's foundation and of understanding is vital to cultivation. This is the sole reason that elders such as I are spending our time teaching you. The key to physical cultivation is unity. His voice boomed over the field and another person collapsed in a heap. 
The body requires unity and balance, even in her current state. Linky could hear the odd emphasis that he put on those words. Flesh, bone, muscle, blood, and organs, major and minor. No part of the body functions well without the others supporting it, and so all must be cultivated to achieve true strength. He rounded the end of the row and began walking down the one occupied by Linky. The same can be said for the sect and the empire. No province would find the same prosperity or the same safety on its own. Linky's breath hitched as she felt her body begging to be allowed to collapse. No soldier survives a battle on his own. He survives with the support of his squad, which survives with the support of its battalion. A general without his men is no better than a head without a body. An army without a general is no better than a body without a head. But all the same, cultivation is also about removing the impurities from the body. It is about ejecting weakness. He stopped at scant dozen steps from Linky's position to survey the field, towering over the haunched and bent students. I have said it before, I am not here to train court cultivators who sit in the clan homes and play the games of politics. I train soldiers who will stand as a bulwark for the Empire. This is your warning. In two weeks, the lessons I give freely will end. Murmurs of alarm sounded at that, but none did anything more. The week after next, I'll oversee a test. It will not be the one that so detests personal strength. You'll need to be organized into squads and set against one another in various tasks. I intend to accept no more than thirty disciples into the remaining lessons. He resumed walking then, and Lunky bit her lip as she concentrated on not falling. Not now. She didn't want to fail just as the elder walked by. As the elder moved towards her, she let out a breath and closed her eyes. No, she would not let herself fail. As she felt her key blaze in her dantian and resonate with the arch and soul art, the steady outward flow dispersing into her bones and muscles, briefly increasing and dulled the ache of exhaustion. When she opened her eyes, she found herself meeting the instructor's eyes, if only for a second, as he swept his gaze over her. We will see which of you has the potential to be worth more of my time then. At ease, disciples, Aldazal said as he reached the end of the line. Reform your cooldowns and go. Prepare yourselves well. The tension in the air as he left the field was palpable. Linky eyed her fellow disciples with a new wariness. Their competition was no longer implicit. In two weeks' time, they would be enemies. Linky left the day's lessons in a daze, with the new deadline hanging over her head. All the progress seemed paltry. It wasn't fair. How was she supposed to compete in something like this when she had only just begun? She reminded herself that life was not fair and had never been fair. She would just have to find a way to succeed. It was a group exercise, at least, and Alda Zhao had never said that it would be a direct combat. Perhaps she could group up with Mizen. It felt unpleasant to have to rely on her someone else's strength, but pride was a luxury of the strong. In the wake of Instructor Zhao's announcement, Linky had been tempted to discard her current plans for cultivating the arch and soul in favor of spending more time on Zephyr's breath art. In the end, she decided against it. Had the Instructor not said that the foundation was the most important... Right now, the Argent Soul was her foundation, so she would improve it no matter what. 
she did come much closer to cancelling her meeting with Lee Si-yun. However, she had already set the date, and there was no point in alienating one of a tiny handful of friendly contacts. Certainly, not for a few hours of fumbling solo cultivation. So, unlike most days, instead of tucking out the moment Alda Sue opened the door, she hung back. She watched Lee Si-yun carefully pack up the various writing tools the girl always brought to lessons. Linky had started paying attention to the other girl since the day Lee Si-yun had approached her. The girl never seemed to be without her implements and carried them in an expensive-looking case at her side. It was the only real proof that the girl had any wealth. Linky could see the appeal of taking notes. More than once, she had wished that she could better recall Alda Sue's instruction, even with her improved memory. Sadly, such things were laughably out of her reach financially, and while she could read, her writing ability was far too slow to keep up with the elder's lecture. When Lee Si-yun finally noticed her looking, her eyes widened momentarily before she hurried up. The shiny wooden case holding her notes and implements clutched against her chest. I'm sorry, were you waiting for me? I just, um, I needed to blot the ink and, um, it's fine. Linky got her off a bit rudely. There was already attention being directed at the two of them, and this wasn't the place for idle chatter. Let's walk while we talk, she added, turning away to head for the door. She heard Lee Si-yun murmur a response and hurried to catch up with her, apologizing as she moved around and between the other students. Well, why are you always in such a hurry to leave class? The blue-haired girl asked as she finally fell in beside Ling Ki. Lee Si-yun was even shorter than Bai Mazen. The other girl's head barely came up to Ling Ki's chest. Just another reason to feel awkward and out of place. I like staying in practice, Ling Ki responded. The truce the elders put down will only last another two and a half months longer, and I am not popular. Left unsaid was that Linky didn't have any family reputation to act as a buffer either. Oh, well, um, she seemed to have surprised Lee Si-yun. I'm surely that no one would do anything excessive, right? The Linky's incredulous look, the shorter girl hurried on. I mean, there will be, um, jewels and such, obviously, but we are all disciples in the same sect. Maybe, Linky allowed, but she doubted that it would be so civilized. If one dumped a few scraps of meat into a pen of starving dogs, they wouldn't nicely share it either. And in her view, that was pretty close approximation to the trickle of resources supplied to the outer disciples. What's the plan? Lee Si-yun blinked at the sudden change of subject as the two of them hurried out of the lecture building. I, um, I was thinking that you could come to my home and I could ask you some questions before observing you while you cultivate... Li Suyun responded nervously. I, uh, I, uh, I've been told my senses are quite good. It's hard to discern anything in a lecture hall when there are so many interferences, she said while gesturing vaguely to the other disciples around the two of them. Was Lin Qi getting set up for a trap? Even if Li Suyun seemed genuine, she didn't like putting herself in the other girl's space. Why don't we do it in my place instead? Lin Qi asked challengingly to see how the other girl would respond. The blue-haired girl's eyes widened almost comically, and Lee Si-yun hunched her shoulders. I, I'm not sure. Would your housemate really allow that? She asked, reminding Lin Ki of a frightened rabbit. It's my home, too. Lin Ki responded stubbornly. She honestly wasn't sure how Mizen would react to someone else in their home. 
Besides, why is everyone so afraid or disdainful of Bai Mazin? Liao Li Xian was the one to look at her incredulously. She does her aura not affect you? Li Xian asked before frowning. No, oh, no, it must not. How else would you live in the same home? Li Xian mumbled to herself. Is it just acclamation, though, or... Linky shifted uncomfortably. Her heart still sped up sometimes when she was startled by Bai Mason's presence, but it was mostly something that she had almost forgotten about given her constant proximity to the girl. I can't just be that, Linky said, cutting off the other girl's inquisitive mumbling. I mean, it's a little unnerving, but we're all cultivators here. Li Suyin grimaced slightly, turning her attention back to Linky. I do not fully understand the matter myself. Father is only a regional minister of finance and was elevated in the exams. I'm not, not really a noble. Li Suyin admitted uncomfortably. The Bai family is, um, they frighten people and upset things with their disagreements with the imperial court. They are a handful of ancient bloodlines left in the empire, you know. Denki didn't know, but she supposed that she would have to take the other girl's word for it. We'll do this at your place then, she decided. In the end, her instincts told her that Lee Siyun wasn't leading her on. She supposed the poor idea to invite someone over without asking by Mason. Her housemate could be prickly at the best of times. Linky followed Lee Siyun to her home and to this tiny stone hut on the edge of the residential area. It was uh, cramped, a single room with a hearth in the center and a pallets laid out on either side. One side clearly belonged to Li Suyin. It was neatly made and surrounded by paper and books. The other side was a mess of balled-up blankets and discarded clothing, as well as a few other random knick-knacks, a battered belt knife, a few stone dishes, and implements from grinding and mixing herbs. There was also a fine, silky strands of hair on everything. Did the girl Li Suyin was rooming with have a cat or a dog? In any case, Li Siyun mumbled apologies for the mess of her housemate left and ushered Ling Qi into the only other room, which was essentially the equivalent of a meditation room in Ling Qi's home, but, um, downsized. Once the two of them were seated in the dim, cramped room, things started off simple enough. Li Siyun asked various questions about Ling Qi's cultivation and how Ling Qi felt while performing different exercises. Li Xiyun scribbled down the answers on the paper spread across the wooden board that she had laid out on her lap. Ling Qi found herself relaxing as time passed and nothing untoward happened, even as the other girl's questions grew increasingly difficult. Things like the number of key circulations with each push on her meridian or the exact number of breaths she took per minute when meditating. Ling Qi couldn't answer many of them since she didn't really pay attention to such issues herself. It was frustrating to be unable to answer again and again. Does any of this actually matter? Linky finally asked, cutting off Lee Sian's latest inquiry about whether Linky circulated a key clockwise or anti-clockwise, for some mixture of both when clearing her meridian. The other girl paused in writing and shifted uncomfortably where she was seated only a short distance away. I don't know, Lee Sian admitted. I ask the questions in lessons, but there is never enough time for everything I want to ask. She added with a hint of frustration. There is just so much that I don't know. Why ask me then? Linky asked, leaning back against the wall. There is probably other girls who actually know these answers. Li Siyan looked aside, twiddling nervously with her inkbrush. But would they answer me? 
she asked, her expression bitter. At least you're willing to sit down and answer questions instead of calling me foolish. That's, um, fair, Linky admitted. I don't know if I'll be able to do this often. I need to cultivate, and the argent soul isn't going to master itself. Linky didn't dislike the other girl, but she was also finding it difficult to think of reasons why she should continue. Lee Siyun's face fell, but then her expression settled into one of determination. What, um, would you care to look at my notes? I've done a fair amount of work on studying how the art and soul art works, as well as deciphering the meaning behind the koans and the opaque instructions. Lin Ki frowned, but eventually nodded. She was already here, and it couldn't hurt. Lee Siyun's notes were densely packed, but at the same time, they were pretty insightful. Lee Siyun had ideas for achieving an improved chi generation for the second stage of the arch and soul art that Lin Qi hadn't even considered. Now that Lin Qi had been presented with them, it made all too much sense. With a new insight in mind, she barely gave Lee Siyun a thought before closing her eyes to cultivate. If Lee Siyun was right about the last step of the second stage, then it was more than worth a little observation from Lee Siyun. When Linky opened her eyes, the sun had fallen beneath the horizon. She felt incredibly refreshed. She could not yet maintain a second stage with any stability, but she had advanced in leaps and bounds compared to the muddled attempts that she had made previously on her own. She still jerked back in shock at the first sight she saw. Lee Siyun had leaned in far closer than Linky was comfortable with, hands hovering a hair's breadth over Linky's stomach, just how out of touch was Linky when cultivating? Back up, Linky commanded in a voice that was definitely not an embarrassed yelp. Lee Siyun startled at the sound of Linky's voice and flushed a deep red when she met Linky's eyes. Lee Siyun hastily jerked back with wide eyes as her hands flew up to cover her mouth. I, I'm sorry. Lee Siyun squeaked out. I just lost track of things while observing your key, and I think I've nearly managed to open the meridian in my arm, and I got better results when I was closer, and, um, she rambled defensively. Just, um, just don't do that again. Linky interrupted shakily. She didn't care for having her personal space invaded. I don't mind coming by again sometime, Linky said in that awkward silence that followed, as long as you keep sharing your notes. She added hastily. Linky couldn't but feel a little pleased with the bright smile that overtook the mousy girl's expression. How long had it been since someone had been genuinely happy to see her? End of chapter. Chapter 7 Exam Prep 2 The key that now thrummed through Linky's dantian filled her body with energy. Her muscles tingled and her heartbeat thundered in her ears making it difficult to remain still. Shiki washed away the fatigue and thinly stretched feeling that followed the day spent of intensive effort. She had mastered the second stage of the Argent Soul, and the depth of her well of key had grown by nearly half. Letting out her breath, she performed another cycle of her energy, and felt at wonder at how smoothly it flowed and how swiftly it responded to her thoughts. This, this had been worth it. She would need to dedicate herself to training hard, but she could instinctively feel that she now had enough key to pull into practice Elder Sue's lessons on using key to reduce the need for sleep. It would leave her drained of energy, but she could train longer and harder if need be. 
With her increased stamina, she might even be able to begin seriously mastering the first technique of Zephyr's breath art. With her success buoying her, Ling Yi left the meditation room feeling ready to take the well-earned break. When she found that her oft-absent roommate had returned home during her cultivation, she was even more pleased. She hadn't had a chance to speak to Bai Mason in a couple days, and she wanted to discuss the possibility of teaming up for Alder Zhao's test. What do you mean you don't intend to participate? Ling Yi asked in distress as she looked across the fire at Bai Mason. The pale girl sipped quietly from the steaming cup of tea that Koi lazily slithered up from the collar of her crown, coiling around her neck in a loose loop. Just as I said, I have no intention of joining the sect military beyond training exercises. Elder Zhao's instruction is valuable, but in the end, it is not the path I wish to take. My own physical cultivation is sufficient for my needs. Linky grimaced, so much for the hope that she could succeed by relying on Bai Mason. There was still the possibility of trying to join with Han Jian, but she felt less sure of her chances to successfully doing so. The boy had quite a few other friends from her observations. Do you at least have an idea of what the elders' test will be? Surely, Bai Mason knew more of the various elders' reputations than Ling Ki did. Bai Mason thoughtfully hummed as she slightly unnerving hissing quality to it, but Ling Ki was used to it by now. Guan Zhao is a man dedicated to the empire through and through. It's likely he will test for cooperation, coordination, and the ability to synergize one's skills with others. I expect the test will take on the form of achieving various military objectives. Other elders may be input into the test, however, which may change the form of the test takes. Linky clutched her knees in worry as her thoughts spun through the possibilities. She might not have had much combat ability, but she was fairly good at sneaking and survival. Scouting was an important part of army operations, right? She hoped so. Her only experience with soldiering was listening to drunk city guards bemoan their superior officers. Ugh, I wish I had more time and resource to cultivate with, Linky lamented. There are so many things to do, and I'm still so far behind. I can't afford to lose out on the elders' lessons. Bai Mazin regarded her emotionlessly over the rim of her teacup as Linky spoke to herself. Kui was staring at her too, tongue flickering in and out. I had noticed that your cultivation had stopped progressing. Have you reached a block? Linky shook her head. No, I've been cultivating the arch and soul art instead. It's my, um, foundation, right? If I strengthen it, everything that comes after will be stronger. The explanation sounded better in her head, especially now that she was regretting the lack of immediate combat gains. Bai Mason nodded, a hint of approval flickering in her golden eyes. That is a good way to think, but I can understand why you are distressed. Building a foundation is important, but it lacks immediate returns. She glanced downward thoughtfully, meeting the eyes of her cousin, who meadly flicked her tongue out lazily in response as far as Ninki could tell. Would you like some tea? The question was bizarre and made Linky blink in surprise as Bai Mason looked back up at her to meet her gaze. Sure? Linky responded a bit awkwardly. Was the other girl trying to comfort her? What does this have to do with what we were talking about? Bai Mason pursed her lips. I am no herbalist, but I do have a small supply of spirit herbs. Several of the herbs are no longer useful to me. She said as if she'd explained everything. 
Bai Mason frowned at Linky's lack of understanding and expanded on her previous statement. The tea will allow you to cultivate longer and more efficiently. It cannot be used too often, though, once a month at most, lest you risk poisoning. Linky's eyes widened. Even with the limitation, the tea would be an amazing boon. She hurriedly ducked her head thankfully to the other girl. Oh, then yes, please. Thank you very much. Bai Mason waved her hand dismissively. It is nothing. As I said, the herbs in question are not useful to one above Red Soul Realm. She sounded pleased at Linky's acceptance. Later that night, Linky was not regretting her choice, even if the tea had been so bitter that she nearly spat it out. As horrible as it had tasted, it had left her key practically crackling within a dantian, straining against its confines as if to expand her capacity by itself. In a single night, she felt as if she'd made up for the least few days that lost to struggling with the art cultivation. When the tea's effects faded, the exhaustion set in. Linky had found herself toying with her flute for the first time since she had come to the sect. Everything was changing so quickly. Linky might not have had true strength yet, but she was achieving something. It hadn't really sunk in how different things were now. She had friends, if tentative and eccentric ones. She knew things that she could never have imagined having the time or energy to care about. She was seriously considering competing in a military exercise. As she brought the fruit to her lips and closed her eyes, she could think of one thing. She wouldn't fail. She wouldn't fall behind. And she wouldn't be a burden to her housemate forever. The other girl had helped her greatly tonight and in the past weeks. Their conversations had given her a basic understanding that she would need to get by amongst the other disciples. She would pay by Mason back for her kindness. She played until tiredness, finally stole her skill and laid down to sleep. Days passed and Linky found herself spending more and more time on cultivation and using her key to avoid the need for sleep. Every time she found her eyes drooping for the thoughts becoming cloudy with exhaustion, she would breathe a deep cycle of key into a dantian. The tiredness would fade and she would resume cultivating. She could feel that she would not be able to keep this up forever. Every day that passed without sleep increased the slight feeling of strain and emptiness that she had begun to feel behind her navel as her efforts sapped the internal well of energy she was carefully cultivating. But for now, it would have to be enough. Not all of her time could be sent in solitary meditation. She still had lessons to attend to and uh, meetings with her friends for one reason or another. Things were also beginning to change in lessons. Instructor Zhao grew harsher and more demanding, and the class began to slowly shrink as individual disciples gave up in the face of harsh criticisms. Aldasu did not allow things to remain routine either. I'm glad to see that there are none left who remain unawakened at the end of the first month together. The matron opened the class on the second day of the week with an unusual statement. With the exception of her speech on the first day, she had always moved directly into her lecture the moment that the door closed. It would have been unfortunate to have to expel such layabouts from my course. She continued pleasantly, eyes scanning the room. Linky noticed several of her classmates shifting uncomfortably, like those who had only recently reached their awakening. She wasn't sure. She had been so focused on her cultivation that she hadn't paid them much mind. The only ones whose name she knew was Elder Su's lessons were Li Siyun and Han Jian. Going forward, I'll have to be somewhat more strict on my requirements. 
Linky's attention snapped back to the elder, who had handed out her ultimatum with the present expression. First, after this week, if you do not have at least one of your meridians clear, you will not be welcome in this class. The exercises we will be performing next week will require that you be able to affect the world around you. Linky caught Lee Siyun shooting her a look of gratitude, to which she responded with a weak smile. She was glad that she had focused on clearing a meridian so early. Similarly, the elder continued, unperturbed by the unhappy looks on a few disciples' faces. If you have not achieved a mid-red soul stage by the end of next month, I will ask you to not return. She paused to give the moment for their requirements to sink in. I am confident that there are no slackers who will fail to achieve such a simple thing. Linky's spirit sank a bit at that. It was something else that she also had to worry over. At least the task seemed doable. With her meridian open and her argent soul art improved to the second stage, she could now focus on raising her cultivation base. Demands are not all I have for you, the elder continued. Beginning next week, I intend to reward those who I feel are working the hardest and improving the most. That drew an excited murmur. Each week, I'll provide those five students with medicinal pill from my department. She picked up her sleeve and held up a softly glowing blue sphere the size of a thumbnail between her fingers. This is a key foundation pull for cultivators of the Red Soul Realm. It provides a significant boon towards cultivation, greatly increasing the rate and efficiency of your key absorption and meridian training. Lingi fixed her eyes on the pull before it disappeared back into the elder's sleeve. She um, didn't really know how impressive her growth rate was. Li Suyun had seemed to imply that it was high, but the other girl was likely flattering her so that she would continue with their study sessions. Lim Ki would have to think about a way to acquire one of those pearls. She needed every advantage that she could get. For now, she needed to pay attention to Elder Su's lecture. The elder had moved on to outlining the day's topic. The class would be studying the various effects of environment could have on key and how to identify sites which had strong energy and were thus helpful for cultivation. Apparently, this entire mountain was selected as a training ground for this reason. The spirit stones it had once contained were long mined out, but the lingering energy still provided an ideal environment for new cultivators. Linky made a note to look into mines at some point. Even if the mines had been stripped bare, they might still hold something of value. Finding even just a handful of extra spirit stones could be really useful. It was doubtful that she was the only one with that thought. A darkened mine shaft was also almost as good as a clouded alley for the purposes of getting the jump at someone. Perhaps seeking out more trouble wasn't the best idea with Aldazal's upcoming test, but it was something to consider. End of chapter Chapter 8 Exam Prep Number 3 After the lecture ended, she walked back to the residential area with Lee Siyun. Linky brought up the idea of trying for the pulls when they became available, but so far, she was having trouble convincing the other girl that it was even a real possibility. I don't see what the problem is, Linky said with a frown as they entered the narrow valley where they first the disciple lived. I'm just saying that we should at least try to find better cultivation spot. Your notes were pretty harmful, and I'm pretty sure your cultivation speed has gotten better too. You have a second meridian open now, don't you? 
Linky kept her voice down and the eye on her fellow disciples. She still didn't trust them to not try anything, and the relative peace of her first month was the only feeding her paranoia. If we can actually find a key loci... Lysian fidgeted with the hems of her sleeves, hunching her shoulders nervously. It's not too difficult to open another one if you've managed to open the first. Lysian mumbled evasively. I do not compare to the other disciples, though. You, um, might manage it, uh, I think. She offered Linky a weak smile. I, am. Um, I am going to put my full effort into cultivation, but I am not sure going out and looking for something potentially dangerous is a good idea. Linky held back from rolling her eyes at the other girls' self-deprecation as they turned into the street leading to the scholarly girls' home. From where she had observed, Louis Soyun already had a pretty hard worker, and her talent wasn't awful. Lee Soyun was just hung up on the details of, uh, everything, and tended to second-guess herself too much. While Lee Soyun was apparently awful at physical cultivation, and Instructor Zhao had scared her off in a matter of days, Linky supposed everyone had their weak points. Linky paused as she noticed that Lysian's door was already open. Is your housemate home today? she asked carefully. Li Suyin glanced over at her house and paled slightly, clutching her writing case to her chest. Oh, uh, I, uh, maybe. She doesn't come back very often, but, um, Li Suyin seemed nervous. I, uh, Ah, if you'll give me a moment, please. I haven't actually told her that I've been bringing someone over. I haven't seen her since last week. Linky was about to respond when a voice from behind her nearly made her jump. Damn right you didn't. I was wondering why the house smelled like a stranger. Linky instinctively spun on her heel to face the speaker. Her hands balled into loose fists. She found herself face to face with another disciple. It was alarming how someone had managed to get so close without her notice. The girl's features were narrow and a bit gaunt with a slight feral cast to them. The impression was not helped by the way her lips were drawn back, exposing sharp teeth. Sticking out of a bushy, tangled mass of shoulder-length dark hair were a pair of large vulpine ears, fuzzy and twitching in agitation. Even more bizarrely, the girl appeared to have a tail the same color as her hair with a white tip wrapped loosely around her waist. Linky would have thought it was weird accessory if it hadn't been moving. You better not have touched my stuff, the girl added threateningly, poking Linky in the chest with one bony sharp-nailed finger. Linky barely noticed Lee Sian wringing her hands and stammering out an apology out of the corner of her eyes as she met the new girl's intense green eyes unflinchingly. She wasn't going to back down from this girl. Linky could see that she was dealing with inhuman features or not. The other girl was skinny to the point of unhealthiness and more than a bit dirty besides. The girl also had twigs in her hair and dirt smudged on her gown. Given that way she held herself, Linky wasn't dealing with some noble girl trying to throw her weight around, but a fellow citizen of the gutter. She was sure of it. Linky brushed the feral girl's finger away from her chest. If you're all that worried about it, then don't leave things you care about lying around. But I'm not that poor of a guest. Linky responded coldly. It's Lee Sien's place, too. If she wants to invite me over, she can. It's not her fault that you apparently sleep outside. The other girl scowled at Linky, holding her gaze. But at least the girl wasn't exposing the weirdly sharp teeth anymore. I have too much to do to coop myself up in some tiny hut. The girl huffed irritably. 
but she did take a step back. Her fuzzy ears twitched on either side of her head. Whatever. I guess it doesn't really matter. I find something missing. I'll take it out of your hide. You can try it. Linky responded with a snort, crossing her arms. It was almost a relief to deal with someone simple again. She could never tell what Bai Mazin was thinking, and even if Han Jian or Li Siyun could be more complicated than she liked. The girl's actions were pretty clear, if overly confrontational. Linky glanced over at Li Siyun, who was looking back and forth between Linky and the other girl, and half expecting them to come to blows. Anyway, are we going to study or what? Li Siyun glanced at her housemate nervously. Ah, yes, um, if you don't need the meditation room, Su Ling. The other girl shook her head. Go ahead, I only came back because I needed my tools. My skinning knife broke. Su Ling pared a fang in irritation. Fricking rabbits shouldn't have hides that tough, spirit or no. She added with a grumble. Li Siyun smiled in a slightly strained manner. Oh, you're hunting again, are you? You didn't leave it out again, did you? No, it's bagged, you big baby, the Volpine girl said, rolling her eyes as she brushed past Linky with one last suspicious glance. Linky raised an eyebrow and glanced at Lisi Yin, who flushed and mumbled an apology before ushering her into the house for their study session. By the time the two had finished dissecting the day's spiritual cultivation lesson and putting it into practice, Su Ling had disappeared again. She left behind some recently clean processing tools and a silver furred rabbit hide being stretched and dried on a makeshift rack. Lee Siyun had begun to come around to the idea of searching out a better cultivation spot with Ling Ki. Lee Siyun's sensitivity to Ki would likely make finding such a place much easier than Ling Ki searching on her own. Hopefully, they could start searching after Alder Zhao's test. After returning home, Ling Ki set about beginning the last major preparation for Alder Zhao's test, mastering the first level of the Zephyr's Breath. Sitting down in the meditation room, she held the jade slip encoded with the art in her hands, channeling a trickle of key into the carved jade. Words and diagrams bloomed in her thoughts, laying out the exercises needed to use the art's first two techniques. Taking a deep breath, she began the difficult process of refining her energy into pure, wooden-natured key. Over the course of the next few days, Lin Qi refined her first faltering steps into something approaching mastery. With her stamina reinforced by art and soul art, she could practice for hours instead of minutes, and she found herself progressing quickly through the theory and preparatory exercises. When it came to practice, however, Lin Qi found herself stimmied. The simplest application of the art was guiding Zephyr technique, but it required either an arrow from a bow or a thrown projectile to enhance. She tried using pebbles at first, but that didn't seem to work well. While the training fields were full of weapons, Linky was nervous about doing her practice out in the open. By Mason had assured her that the sect wouldn't begrudge a disciple for taking a few training toys. But Linky could not help but feel dubious about her housemate's words as she examined the fine steel throwing knives plucked from the training rack. Even she could see the masterful quality of the knives' forging and balance. At home, any one of these knives would likely be sold for two or maybe three silver coins, enough to buy quality food for a week. Then again, her disciple's gown was spun from silk fine enough to clothe the wealthy merchant's wife, she supposed cultivators valued things differently. With real weapons, Linky found herself advancing more quickly despite her lack of prior experience in handling knives. 
In the past, if the situation escalated to the use of weapons, Lunky would have already escaped. Fighting had never been an option. It surprised her when using throwing knives felt natural. After only a single night, she found her knife striking the straw targets more often than not. By the end of the next, she could reliably hit within two first rings. When she channeled her key, guiding the sliver of steel after it left her hands, she struck the bull's eye almost every time. When her throw buried the blade halfway to the hilt in solid wooden fence post, she felt that she'd mastered the guiding zephyr technique. End of chapter Chapter number 9 Exam Prep number 4 That was as far as she could take the training alone. The second technique, against the wind, simply didn't enhance its throws. Rather, it used connection formed by a successful attack to hinder the opponent, battering them with gusts of wind that could slow and throw off their movements. To make progress, she would require someone to practice with. She also needed a team. There was less than a week left until Instructor Zal's exam, and while she could simply wait and fall in with some random stragglers, it seemed more prudent to group up with someone she knew. With how busy she'd been, meetings with Han Jian had fallen by the wayside. She wouldn't be able to speak with him after he returned to the boy's residence, so she would simply have to do it at the end of training. Unfortunately... He was standing with two other disciples, one of which was the irritating you. The other disciple was a girl with pale skin and delicate features subtly painted that accentuated her beauty. Her long, straight black hair gleamed like silk in a simple braid. She was also rather obviously gifted in all the ways that Linky was not, and the sweat worked up from today's lesson was doing little to hide that fact. A splash of color drew Linky out of her envious study. On her right hand, the other girl wore red leather gloves. The gloves' bright crimson shade caught the light as the girl waved her hand dismissively at something said by the boys. Dozens of black characters were embroidered onto the surface. Much like that you, she seemed friendly towards Han Jian. And if Linky were a judge, the girl was also standing closer to his side than was strictly necessary. She found herself scowling at the girl's back, just what she needed, another complication. The crowd was thinning out, Linky would need to either approach or leave. As much as she wanted to wait until Han Jian was alone, she didn't want to put this off either. Every day that passed brought the test closer. Linky took to fortifying breath and began to walk briskly towards them, doing her best to put on a friendly expression despite the churning in her stomach. She did make sure to adjust her approach so that Han Jan would likely be the one to notice her first. Sure enough, she saw his eyes shift to hers as she raised a hand to wave at him. His attention made the other to look at her as well. Used look of brief and dismissive, but the girl regarded her with a narrowed eyes for a moment before the expression smoothed into a welcoming smile. Linky, I haven't had a chance to talk to you lately, Han Jan said in greeting as she came into earshot. How'd things go with, um, Lysian, was it? Linky had let him know why she was going to be busy. Linky dipped her head slightly in greeting, giving the other two a polite nod despite her irritation with you. We both have made some good gains from our cooperation. I've reached the second stage of Argent Soul. I've also been able to reach the first level of mastery with the art I received from the archive. 
Linky left out her lack of practice and life targets. She wasn't certain of how to feel about condescending look this earned from you, but she was glad that Han Jian had given her an opening to talk herself up without it seeming awkward. She wondered if he had done it on purpose. At this point, the other girl cleared her throat politely and spoke up. Jian, are you going to introduce us? Han Jian laughed sheepishly, scratching the back of his head. All right, I suppose I forgot that. Linky, you've already met you, and you, even if the introduction wasn't the smoothest. I have, Linky said sourly, unable to keep her dislike from her tone. The short, muscular boy seemed unbothered by her dirty look. I said nothing untrue, Van Yu responded with a snort. Even if it turns out that you have a little talent, at least Jan was not totally wasting his time. I suppose everyone must have a good point. Linky wasn't sure if Van Yu expected her to be infuriated by his bluntly unapologetic statement or flattered by his compliment. Definitely infuriated, Han Jan's smile grew strained as she glared at Van Yu. A slight breeze coincidentally kicked up and sending the hem of her gown fluttering. This is Goose Island, Yu's fiancé and one of my other friends from home, Han Jian said. My condolences, Linky said dryly, drawing a skull from Fan Yu. Goose Island just laughed lightly, covering her mouth with the back of her sleeve. That isn't necessary, Goose Island responded sweetly. My Yu is just a little too blunt for his own good at times. There was an edge of something in her tone that she looked Linky up and down before turning her gaze back to Han Jan. Where did you meet her, Han Jan? Oh, we just had a chat during the orientation, and I thought I'd help her out. Han Jian said cheerfully. Turns out she didn't really need much help to get going. He added kindly, smiling at Ling Ki. Goose Island sighed. You're so kind, Jan. It's lucky that it paid off this time. I suppose you do have an eye for talent. Thanks, Ling Ki cut in, feeling slightly irritated at being talked over. Dealing with Fan Yu and Goose Island was making her less comfortable by the moment, and she wanted to get this over with. I wanted to ask if you wanted to group up for the test, Hanjan. My art is good for support and range fighting and defense, but, um... Well, at least she knows how to make herself useful, Van Yu interrupted. But you shouldn't bother wasting the instructor's time. Just be content with getting a month of his training. It's already more luck than someone like you should expect. Linky bristled, scowling at the boy, but Hanjan managed to speak up before she could. No need for that, he said warningly. Besides, it's not a bad idea. You're a close-up fighter, and so is Fang, and Xiaolin is not much on defense. We could use another supporting fighter to round things out. But barely trained peasant, I know you're enamored, Han Jian, but this is ridiculous. Van Yu threw up his hands. Have you ever even been in a fight, girl? I refuse to lose my place because we took on an amateur. I've been in a few fights, Linky responded defensively, glaring at him. She left out that it hadn't been so much fair fights as taking advantage of drunks and tipping up angry marks to get away. Now, now, let's not get too worked up, Goo Zidan said placatingly, glancing at Linky out of the corner of his eye. Han Jan's judgment is good, is it not? Why not trust him? Fan Yu looked rebellious, but eventually dropped his gaze, grumbling under his breath. Linky gritted her teeth but refrained from speaking. Instead, she looked at Han Jian, whose expression was neutral. I think that we could use a fifth person. Weren't we talking about this before Linky came over? Han Jian asked lightly. 
That is the standard squad size. She fits the bill of what we need. If not perfectly, it's not like any first-year disciple will have a healing art at this point. Unless you want to go try and chat up Sun Liling again, Han Jian asked Van Yu. The other boy shuddered, rubbing his chest as he remembered the phantom pain. No, not again, I think, Van Yu grumbled. Fine, I'm outvoted since Fang will go along with whatever you say, John. It's on your head if she ruins this for us. I can pull my own weight, Linky responded irritably. Thank you, Han John. She added in a softer tone. That was one less worry that she had to deal with. Who is Fang, though? Ah, that would be my cousin Han Fang, Han John replied. He's gone into closed door for a few days to finish breaking through to mid gold. He must have spotted her confusion at the term closed door, and immediately because he continued. Fang's cultivating non-stop. Linky nodded in understanding. She'd been doing something similar, but now she had a name for it. I guess I'll meet him soon then, she said. Is there a time where the group trains together or... Linky trailed off. Afternoons on days after Jian's spiritual lessons, Gu Zilin said, We'll have to make sure that you're up to standard after all. Van Yu snorted, and Han Jian cast a suspicious look at Gu Zilin, whose expression was the picture of innocence. Yeah, we meet up on the field in the mountain base. Let me give you directions. With her worst worry resolved, Linky found her thoughts turning back to buy Mason as she trudged home that night. She wanted to pay the girl back for the tea, which had already helped her and would only help her more in the future. Linky had not even seen a glimpse of Bai Mason in days, though. It struck her just how little she actually knew about the odd girl despite nearly a month of semi-regular interaction. Bai Mason simply didn't talk about herself or even emote much. She had no idea of the girl's likes and dislikes beyond the fact that she got irritated when Linky didn't pick things up quickly. Well, Linky could probably say that she knew the other girl had a great deal of affection for her, uh, cousin. This was why when she opened the door to her house, she was brought up short at the sight of the little green serpent curled up by the hearth alone. By Mason, Linky called out. She didn't hear the housemaid moving about, but the girl could be disturbingly silent at times. Closing the door behind her, she continued to peer around. Are you here? Her only answer was silence, so despite the oddity, Linky sat down to get the fire going so that she could fix herself dinner. As she busied herself with those tasks, her eyes drifted to Koi again and again. It was so weird seeing them separated. She was careful not to tread on Koi, and the little snake didn't pay her any mind. She was boiling water for tea, and an idea occurred. My Mason had assured her once or twice that Cooey understood them and was capable of speech, even if Linky could never hear the snake do so. Who would know what the pale girl liked more than her constant companion? Linky still felt a bit foolish when she cleared her throat and spoke up. She couldn't quite get over the impression that she was talking to an animal. By Cooey, do you know where By Mason has been? She asked awkwardly, deciding to be respectful. And why aren't you with her? The thin green coils didn't even twitch in her words, and as the second stretched on, Linky's feelings of foolishness only grew. Finally, the sighed and looked away, preparing to set the pot containing the water out over the fire. Cultivation. Winter. Dark. Fear. Linky jerked in place, looking back at the little green snake. That 
hadn't been words, more like a foreign thought directly pushed into her head. Was that you? Linky asked, feeling even more foolish as the word slipped out. The snake raised its head in coils and flicked the forked tongue irritably up at Linky. She got the impression that Bai Kui thought her question silly. Still, there was a garble and the feeling stopped. Not understand, not speaker. That was a little clearer. It seemed like simple concepts were easier to convey. Kui was lowering her head again, apparently intending to go back to ignoring Ling He. Ling He felt rather out of her depth, but decided to push on anyway. She'd already embroiled herself in the bizarre situation. Wait, please, I, uh, I want to do something for your cousin, but I don't know what she would appreciate. Could you tell me something she might like? She felt rather awkward asking this, but she was out of ideas. It still seemed to catch Baikui's interest, and the tiny snake stared at her, tongue periodically flicking out. Weak. Nothing. Linky scowled at the spirit beast's disparagement, but the snake wasn't done. What came next was hard to understand, but she thought Kui was suggesting that she keep going and what she was currently doing. That's not enough, Linky disagreed vehemently. There has to be something. The little serpent stared at her until Linky began to fidget. Finally, Kui sent an image of a necklace. It was made of fine silver links with a dark green jade pendant in the shape of a coiled dragon. The pendant hung from the girl's chest, bouncing as she walked. Along with the image came the feeling of covetousness. Why Mason wants jewelry? Linky asked, bewildered. Why hadn't the other girl just purchased the piece then? It was pretty, but she was sure that Bai Mason's family was absurdly wealthy. Her comment earned her what she was fairly certain was a look of supreme irritation by Bai Kui. Was it something Bai Mazin was actively trying to get, or had Kui simply noticed her wanting it? It was so frustrating that she couldn't properly communicate with the spirit beast. Said spirit beast laid its head back down, and any further attempts at speaking to Bai Kui was ignored. Linky wasn't quite certain she wanted to start thieving at the sect yet, if only because she wasn't sure if she could pull it off without getting caught. She was also a little dubious that she was interpreting Kui correctly. She would just have to explore other options for now. She couldn't afford to get distracted with Aldozao's exam looming. End of chapter Chapter 10 Exam Prep Number 5 there were only two months remaining before the truce ran out. If Linky had not gained the ability to defend herself by then, things would go poorly for her. She needed every single advantage that she could get. Passing Aldazal's test was her best hope for advancing quickly. But that did not mean that she had to place all of her hopes on it. Linky was sure that Aldazu's lessons and key loci was meant as a hint to the mountain-held sites of power that could enhance cultivation. The trouble was that she couldn't afford to waste time wandering around the mountain at random. Time was a precious resource even with a new ability to cut her sleep time in half. But did she need to do it alone? No. Thinking about the problem, Linky quickly came up with an alternative. She would need to get Lu Xion and her roommates to agree to help. After receiving her monthly supply of spirit stones, Linky hunted down Li Xion in the crowd. Li Xion, she called out, raising her hand to get the other girl's attention. The smaller girl stopped walking, turning in surprise facing Linky. Linky? Li Xion asked, glancing nervously at the crowd. 
Did you need something? She sounded befuddled. Linky was not the one who approached typically. I have an idea, Linky said as she stopped near the other girl. Scanning the crowd were a messy mop of bushy hair. I need to talk to your roommate too. Su Ling, right? Li Siyun's eyebrows rose. But why? She asked, even as she followed Linky back into the crowd. You remember that lesson we were talking about and finding something for ourselves? Linky replied vaguely, not wanting to be exact with so many people around. I think Su Ling can help give us a good lead. Li Siyun was falling behind, too polite to weave through the crowd properly. After a moment's hesitation, Linky caught the girl's hand in her front and keep her from being slowed down. I do not think that is the best idea. The blue-haired girl hedged uncomfortably, glancing down at their hands. Su Ling is very, um, private. I'm not sure she will take well to the idea of being a guide. Linky was glad Li Siyun was sharp enough to pick up on her intentions so easily. Maybe. But it can't hurt to ask. Linky responded impatiently, spotting Lusu Ling's bushy head through the crowd. She gave Li Xian a tug, and they, the target, was quickly moving away. We all stand to benefit here. She didn't seem that unreasonable. Linky barely registered the scholarly girl's incredulous look. Li Xian followed anyway, clearly resigned to being pulled by Linky. Given their hurry, the two girls' passage was anything but subtle. It came as no surprise to Linky that the animalistic girl noticed their approach. Su Ling's pointed, furry ears twitched in agitation as she glanced back and scowled. Oh, it's you again. What do you want? She turned to face Linky and Slee Siyun with her arms crossed, ignoring the people forced to go around her. I wanted to offer you a deal that we can both benefit from. Linky responded carefully, keeping her eyes fixed on the feral girls to avoid appearing weak. It'd be better to talk away from the crowd. She nodded. No one seemed to be paying attention to them, but Linky knew better than to take that at face value. Su Ling narrowed her eyes, looking from Linky to Li Siyun, then agreed. Fine. Come on, then. I know a good place. Linky glanced back at Li Siyun, who smiled nervously. Sure. Lead the way. Linky responded confidently. She wasn't worried about the conflict yet, not while the eldest decree was still in effect. They'd followed Su Ling out of the plaza and towards the training fields. Su Ling's place turned out to be a small clearing in a tightly wooded eclipse that surrounded the path further up the mountains, a decent distance away from the actual road. So, Su Ling asked archly as she came to a stop in the middle of the clearing, if this is some dumb trick to get me alone, you're going to regret it. Su Ling flicks the bony finger, drawing attention to her sharp black nails. I would not help someone trick you like that, Li Siyun mumbled from behind Ling Ki, sounding hurt. Su Ling glanced at the short girl with a complicated expression, and then huffed. Not on your own, but I'm pretty sure you'd cave in real quick to a threat, she said mercilessly before turning her attention back to Ling Ki. So what do you want? Ling Ki frowned as Li Siyun stared at the ground, shoulders hunched. Su Ling was even blunter than Ling Ki was. While it was true that Linky wasn't sure that Li Siyun could be trusted with the face of pressure, there was no point in saying it straight to the girl's face. The two of us are going to search the mountain for a key locus, Linky said. It was a little gratifying to see someone else wearing a blank look of incomprehension for once. It's the location filled with potent key that lets you cultivate faster. Linky figured Li Siyun could explain it in more detail later if Su Ling wanted to know more. 
Su Ling continued to regard Ling Ki suspiciously. Yeah, good for you. What does that have to do with me? This would be the hard part. Ling Ki knew. She took a deep breath, drawing in her experience convincing fellow gutter urchins to play Patsy for more complicated threats. It shouldn't be hard, right? She was even intending to treat honestly this time. The first thing you should know is that we aren't just searching around at random. Elder Sue has all but said that there would be places like that on the mountain. Ling Ki felt confident that it was true. And Li Su Yin has a really good feel for Ki. It's why we're cultivating together. I'm still not hearing a reason why it should involve me. Su Ling said dryly, but Ling Ki could see that she understood where this was going. The girl wasn't dim. I'm not interested in letting Lee see and pour at me like you do. I like men. Despite her focus, Linky stuttered for a moment and flushed slightly. The absurd accusation simply came out of nowhere. It's not like that at all. This was enough to finally break Lee Sien's shell of meekness. A glance confirmed that Lee Sien had gone red with embarrassment. There's no need to be so rude and to imply something so vulgar about our study sessions. You, you ruffian! Li Xian said angry and pointing a trembling finger at Su Ling. Is that really so difficult just to be polite? Su Ling and Ling Qi blinked almost in unison at the other girl's outburst. Su Ling seemed slightly bewildered. Whatever, Su Ling finally huffed. It was a joke. Make your pitch, will you? She added, sounding troubled. Right. Ling Qi cleared her throat, deciding to ignore the awkward atmosphere. The point is spirit beasts supposedly congregated around these places. We were hoping that you would show us where you've been hunting. In return, you can use the place when we do find it. You might stumble on it on your own, but we'll all waste less time looking together. Su Ling bared her teeth, but as she glanced between Ling Qi and Li Siyun again, a low, uncertain growl escaped her throat. After a moment, she scoffed her foot against the grass, looking frustrated. Fine. Beast calls and elixirs aren't letting me keep up alone anyway. Su Ling grumbled, jabbing a finger at Ling Qi. She nodded. You aren't allowed to talk about my hunting spot with anyone else, though. Swear it. Ling Qi shared a look with Li Siyun. I swear I won't mention your grounds to anyone else, Ling Qi said. It was an easy enough thing to promise. She even meant it. I swear as well, Li Siyun said. Uh, sticking together will benefit us all, right? Su Ling grimaced, her tail flicking back and forth. When are we doing this? Linky sighed. Now came the really hard part. Scheduling. Once the day had hashed things out, they agreed to meet again a few days after the elders' test. Linky and Li Xian headed off with their spiritual lesson, and then afterward back to Li Xian's hut. There, sitting in silence, save for breathing on the other girl in front of her, Linky found herself losing track of time as she cultivated. The energy of the fresh birdstone pulsing in her hands, filling her dantian with warmth. Cycle and expand. The core of spiritual cultivation was expansion of one's dantian. It was an oddly relaxing exercise. The feeling of rough stone beneath her faded, and whistling of the wind through the cracks of the stone faded. The warmth of Suyin's hand on hers faded, and even her nagging worry that the coming test faded. All that remained was a heartbeat and a pulse of her key, slowly rising in tempo as she circulated the stone's key and assimilated it into her own. Today there was a feeling of constriction, like being forced into a pair of shoes a size too small.
It only grew worse as she continued to cultivate. The linky felt her breathing hitch and her heartbeat grow erratic as a great weight seemed to press down on her from every direction. She knew somehow that if she just ended the circulation, the feeding would end. She almost did, but something in her rebelled at the idea of giving up and allowing herself to be restricted. Hadn't she suffered worse to do what she wanted, endured freezing nights and empty belly for years on end, risked death or worse as a young girl living on the street? Would she really give up and be held down by a little pressure? No. Lungi would be free in the end, no matter the trial, no matter what she had to sacrifice to obtain it. The pressure vanished like a dam burst by floodwater. Awareness returned to her, along with all her doubts, thoughts, shattering the moment of utter clarity that she had just experienced. Even as she opened her eyes and smiled weakly at her excited partner, accepting Lysian's praise and congratulations for breaking through to the middle stage of Red Realm. That final thought lingered. Was there really who she was when everything else was stripped away? Somehow, it made her feel a little hollow. End of chapter. Chapter 11, Exam Prep Number 6 The following day, Linky set out early to meet Han Jian and his friends as they discussed. She could not say that she was looking forward to it, but it made sense to spend more time with the people that she would be taking the test with, even if Fan Yu was an ass and Ji Zilan was on edge. So despite her misgivings, Ling Ki descended through the morning mist, self-consciously adjusting the wrist sheath holding her knives. She didn't think of Han Jian would attempt anything untoward, but uh, she had been wrong about people before. She still felt frighteningly vulnerable. Regardless, she didn't allow her doubts to slow her pace. Soon, she came to a field and found the group waiting for her. The fourth member of their cadre was here today, and Linky could not help but pause and stare at the last of their number came into view in the mist. He was big. There was no other way to describe him. He was a head taller than even her and twice as broad as his shoulders. She was briefly wondered if he was related to Instructor Zhao somehow. He was thankfully fully clothed, unlike said shirtless instructor. Even if his disciple robes were stretched distractingly over his great deal of muscle for a boy who was presumably her age, she pulled her eyes upwards at the point and resumed walking. The new disciple, who must be the hand-fang discussion last time, had a clean-shaven head and a rough, blocky features of a sun-darkened skin. As he turned to look at her along with the others, she noticed one final detail. He had a massive ropey scar stretched all the way across his throat like an ugly grin. Linky, glad you could make it, Han Jian said with an easy smile. He nodded to the new boy, who was examining her in a way that felt her feeling defensive. This is my cousin, Hang Fang. Unlike my lazy cat, he'll actually be helping us out. Don't be fooled by his looks, this guy is still the first-year disciple like us. He added at last while clapping the other boy on the back. Linky glanced between the two Huns doubtfully. They two looked nothing alike. He was aware of how little that meant when a golden tiger cub was also related to Han Jian. But she thought it strange anyway. She bowed in greeting to Han Fang. It is nice to meet you, and it seems I'll be in your care. She did her best to speak politely as she usually did around Han Jian. 
ending his examination, Han Fang eyes, only to scratch his cheek awkwardly. He ducked his head politely, but remained silent before glancing at his cousin. Fang can't really speak much, so don't mind him. We'll show you some of the signals we use for communication later, Han Jian explained patiently. Linky's cheeks heated slightly, and she shot the other boy an apologetic glance. That really should have been an obvious given the scar. Ah, of course, she responded awkwardly, casting about for a change of subject. Why, um, if the introductions are over, then shouldn't we move on to practice? Van Yu asked roughly from behind the two boys. We don't even know if she can fight without freezing up. Linky shot him an irritated look, but Han Jian nodded, looking apologetic. Yu's right. Sorry, Linky, but we really do need to get to work. Do you mind having a spa with Zylan first to see where you stand? I need to know what you can do to plan around it. Linky felt as the bottom of his stomach had dropped out. The other girl was smiling sweetly in a way that didn't make Linky comfortable at all. I, um, uh, yes, I can do that. Linky responded hesitantly. Try not to worry too much, the other girl said sweetly as she moved towards an open part of the field and gestured for Linky to follow. It'll just test your reflexes a bit. I need to make sure that you're able to properly watch Han Jan's back beside me, you know? Linky nodded stiffly as she took up a position a good eight meters distant from the other girl. All too conscious of the three boys watching them. There were no obstacles in the grassy meadow, and the group had chosen for practice, so she could have no choice but to face the other girl openly. Linky did her best to ignore the instincts that screamed for her to run, instead sinking into a low defensive stance. She had learned it from the Zephyr's breath art. She stared at Guza Lin, who bounced energetic on the balls of her feet, gloved right hand extended forward with the palm out. Han Jan took up position about halfway between them, but out of the way. Linky couldn't embarrass herself here if she wanted to work well with the group. Even if she couldn't win, she could at least give a good showing. That was the last thought she had before Han Jan chopped down his hand. Begin! Gu Zilin moves moving before Linky could so much as blink. Her left hand blurred forward, curling into a fist before the echo of Han Jan's words could fade. Sparks erupted from her knuckles, and the air distorted with heat as Goose Island launched a bolt of superheated air that screamed like an overheated kettle. Linky barely had time to widen her eyes before her instincts and feel for the currents of wind howled at her to dodge. Desperately, she rolled to the side, barely fast enough to avoid the missile. Then she was forced to dodge again this time beneath a fan of heated air as the other girl danced backwards and swiped her gloved hand through the air in Linky's direction. Linky could smell the tips of her hair charring as she rolled under it and sprang back to her feet. Every instinct cried out to flee and escape the danger, but she forced herself to ignore them. She had to stay close in the fight, or she would have no chance at all. The third attack came in from the rising wave of the heat kicked up by the sweeping of the other girl's leg, carrying grit, and it stung and burned whatever it touched. Linky jumped, forcing the wind key into the air around her to boost her leap and carry her over the worst of it. She landed hard, wincing at the jarring feeling in her knees as her legs bent to absorb the impact. A flick of her wrist brought one of her blunted straining knives to her hand, and she flung it, the wind carrying it unerringly at a smirking target. 
Surprise flickered on Goose Island's eyes, and her gloved hand rose to deflect the knife. Linky saw a wince across the girl's expression at the impact before the blade bounced away. All told, it had only been a handful of seconds since the fight had begun. Linky locked eyes with the other girl, tensing as she planned her next move. I think that's enough to get started on, Goose Island said with a smile, relaxing her stance. You're pretty rough, but we can polish you up a little. The pretty girl added cheerfully. You would have been in quite a bit of trouble if I'd been using real fire. There was an edge of warning in the other girl's tone. Goo Zylin was right, though. Even now, Linky's legs stung from painfully hot grits that had gotten under the hem of a ground. Thank you. Linky responded slowly as the other girl crouched and picked up her knife. She toyed with the idea of shooting back a quip about the other girl being wounded too if her knives had been sharpened, but she decided that it was better not to push things. You were almost too fast to follow, Linky added after mulling it. Well, they'll have to work on that then, the other girl said sweetly as she handed Linky's knife back to her. Hanjian had a satisfied look on his face as he observed the two of them. Hang Fang was unreadable, and Fan Yu was scowling at her, ass that he was. A little dodge training is just a thing for you, I think. Goose Island continued, her smile taking on a sharp edge. Linky felt a shiver go up her spine at the girl's words and expression. Why did she have the strange, impeding feeling of doom? As it turned out, it was because Goose Island was absolutely brutal in her teaching. Linky lost count of the number of times she got caught in the dainty fist with her short ribs or was laid out by a jab to the jaw. Goose Island hit like a full-grown man twice her size. Linky was just surprised at how few bruises she had by the time she parted ways with the group that afternoon. Although Goose Island has seemed to take personal and sadistic pleasure in putting Linky in the dirt over and over again, Linky decided that she didn't care. She was getting stronger, and whatever else she could say about Goose Island, the girl's advice was sound. Linky had been able to block or at least avoid some of Goose Island's hits by the end. Despite that resolution, she could not quite decide if she was grateful or hated the other girl. She would decide after the test. However, Linky had not spent the day of just being beaten by the girl seven centimeters shorter than her. She had also taken part in a few drills with Han Jan and the others and learned something of their own styles. Han Jan was a swordsman, perhaps unsurprisingly, but he preferred to stay behind the other two boys and direct their actions, flicking about with preternatural speed and bursts of heated wind to avoid being entangled in melee. Van Yu wielded a short-hafted spear and fought defensively using earth key and hardened his skin to pull through opponents and obstacles with brute force. Han Fang was a very large hammer and a talentful thunder key. Fighting near him often left Ling Qi with a ringing headache. But Han Jian had assured her that she would become acclimated to the booms of his strikes. The week blurred by between cultivation, training, and lessons, focusing on improving her fitness. Linky found herself advancing impossibly fast. The key she gently disseminated through her body seemed to multiply the effects of her exercise a hundredfold. She hardly had any fat to lose, of course, but her muscles grew more solid by the day. On the last day of Alder Zhao's lessons before the coming test, Linky felt a change as she meditated. 
The daily exercise of working key into the flesh and muscles began to grow more difficult, as if she were trying to pack more loot into a bag already bursting at the seams. Growing excited as she recognized the feeling from the elder's instruction, Linky eagerly pressed forward, even as the painful ache started taking root deep in her bones. She could feel her fingers clenching on her knees as she powered through the pain to surpass her own limitations. After a moment of blinding pain, she trembled and she felt something snap, and the pain vanished, taking with it all the aches of the day's training. Then the stench struck her. Looking down at herself in drawing disgust, she nearly wretched. She had somehow become covered in some kind of disgusting black gunk. It clung to her skin and soaked through her clothes. Her eyes watered at both the smell and the stinging feeling of the gunk getting into her eyes. Good work, disciple, howled the Zal's deep voice shook her out of a horrified fascination. He loomed over her, his stern expression approving for once. You are dismissed for the day. Go and cleanse yourself. You have expelled a great deal of impurities. Nodding shakily, she stood. This was what Aldazu had meant when he said that the mid-gold breakthrough would begin removing the body's impurities. Her cheeks burned with humiliation, but looking around, she did not see smirks or mocking looks that she had expected. Instead, there were looks of sour envy and wary appraisal. Thank you very much, Aldazau, she said hastily. Um, is there anything I should do specifically, or, uh... She still wanted to run and get the filth off of her quickly, but she did not want to make a mistake. The elder man simply raised an eyebrow, a twinkle of amusement in his dark eyes. I would suggest burning that gown. The smell will never leave it. Be off with you, disciple. Not needing any further encouragement, Linky rushed from the field to seek a long and well-earned bath. End of chapter. Chapter 12 Zhao's Trial Number 1 The day of the elder Zhao's test had come. Sunrise saw Linky at the field where pockets of mist clung silently to the ground, burrowing the groups of disciples that awaited the start of the test. There were nearly a hundred people here, many of whom had never seen before. They must have been taking lessons on the day that she was attending spiritual class. To avoid exacerbating her nerves, Linky ignored them and moved to join Han Jian and the others. Han Jian greeted her with a confident smile, and Han Fang a nod, doing much to dispel her fretting. Fan Yu still glanced at her with disdain, but Gu Zilin at least seemed to grudgingly accept her presence, moving over to give her room to join their little circle. When Alder Zhao appeared, he gestured for the test-takers to follow him further up the mountain. They walked a steep cliffside path, eventually reaching a paved plaza overlooked by a stone pagoda. In the center of the plaza was a ring of black tiles surrounded by a complex arrangement of narrow stone pillars. Every tile and pillar carried a single, unreadable character carved into its surface that glowed with a closely blue light. Once you pass through the ring, the test will begin. Each squad will be transported to one of the sex training sites. There, you will find a task laid out for you. You will pass the first test when you have fulfilled the tasks given. Elder Zhao barked as he looked over from the crowd sternly. Muscular arms crossed over his chest. I will not lie, there is some danger of death should you overreach yourselves. If you fear that, do not enter. Once you begin the test, you will not be able to return to this plaza until the test is completed. 
or you fail. Although a few squads were called before them, Han Jian's group was amongst the first to be transported to the test site. While Ling Ki didn't manage to stride in as confidently as the others in her group, she liked to think that her hesitation wasn't obvious. The groups that entered before them had vanished between one blink of the eye and the next, stolen away by the magic of the circle. As she stepped past the innermost circle of the pillars, vertigo and blackness hit her. Linky stumbled as the ground seemed to be tilt beneath her, only to catch herself on something hard. She blinked and then flushed, pushing herself upright off of Fang Fang's chest. Sorry, I just... Linky lost track of her words as she peered around. The group was at the base of a steep mountain path leading up the mountain of black stone. More alarmingly, just a half dozen feet behind them, the path crumbled away, revealing that the mountain was suspended in the air over a yawning void of mist with no apparent bottom. Well, she was shaken over the stupor by a mute boy clapping her hand on her shoulder. He offered her a crooked smile, and she looked back at his face and then nodded to Han Jan and the others, who were looking unsettled as well. Han Jan cleared his throat. Right, well... Ignoring the bottomless pit, it looks like I have the instructions for the first part of the test. He waved the sheet of paper. There's a small fort at the top of this, uh, island. We're to occupy and hold it for the next two hours. There are two other groups on this island with us, and only one group is allowed to hold the fort at a time. We can also win if they're the last one standing, but only if we're within the fort. Thoughts? That's simple enough. Just eliminate the other groups before they reach it and then proceed to the fort. Gu Zilin said cheerfully. There'll be no trouble holding it then. Han Jan hummed thoughtfully. We could do that, but defending the fort might be easier if we can get there first. I'd rather not hold up and let others dictate the pace. Fan Yu grumbled. Wang gestured to indicate that he agreed with Han Jan. Ling glanced over nervously before tentatively offering her opinion. I think we should listen to Han Chan. He's supposed to be the leader, right? And I don't know if we, um, have any good ways of searching for the other groups. Linky relaxed somewhat when her words didn't spark hostility. I doubt the other disciples would be hard to find, but Goo's Island huffed, crossing her arms under her chest, and glanced at her frowning fiancé. Could you feel them through the ground, you? Not at any real distance. I have not yet mastered that part of the Yellow Mountain Arts. Fan Yu shot Linky an irritated look, missing the flicker of contempt in his fiancé's eyes at the response. Linky just glanced back. That was not her fault. Which is why I figured defense was our best bet. Han Jan cut in firmly. We don't have anyone with extended senses yet. Then why ask at all? Linky asked curiously as the group began to climb the steep stone path, keeping a wary eye on the cliffs above. A leader needs to hear his subordinates even if he thinks he knows best. Han Jan responded as if by rote. Otherwise he might miss something. We should quiet down and get marching. We'll be moving double time so that I can survey the area around the target and set things up in our favor. Han Jan's words seemed to ease Fan Yu's tension and draw the admiring sigh from Ku's island. Han Fang simply shook his head and made a sound like a rasping cough that Ling Ki was fairly certain meant laughter from the mute boy. As they picked up the pace, Ling Ki worked a slot into formation that they had practiced. The pace Han Jan set was a punishing one, even enough to leave her red-faced and out of breath by the time they finally reached the first plateau a quarter of an hour later. 
She was glad that she had gained so much endurance in the past month. Some part of her still felt wonder that she was only wounded after practically sprinting for nearly a quarter of an hour. Thanks to the key that had seeped into it, the empowered body, the march was merely tiring and not exhausting. Their advantages as one of the first groups seemed to be holding as they pushed on, slowed only slightly by the lightly forested terrain. Despite the obstructions, a banner bearing the sable dragon on violet phoenix of the Empire was visible far ahead, flapping from the top of the watchtower of the fort that they were aiming to reach. The banner made navigation an easy task, but also increased the urgency of their march, since the other groups would easily see it as well. Anjan gave them a minute or two to catch their breath before signaling everyone to spread out slightly and continue. Linky was a moment behind the others following the silent order, and it made her wish that she had been able to take more time and sync herself with the group. Despite the fact that she was keeping up, it still felt like a few awkward times she had fallen in with the other urchins, like she didn't really belong here. Linky ruthlessly shut down that niggling self-doubt and focused her attention on the scraggly trees and underbrush around them, straining her ears for any sound that was out of place. The woods were eerily silent, lacking even the faint buzz of insects. The only sound came from the wind blowing through the branches and the rumbling of thunder from the dark and bloated clouds roiding overhead. The fast-paced Hanjan and the other set was all the more difficult here on uneven ground. It was far more tense as well. At least on a path, the number of directions she could watch was limited, more like watching a street. Here, an enemy could come from any direction. The others didn't seem happy with the terrain either. She noticed that Goose Island grimaced as her own gown was caught again and again on passing branches, and Han Jun nearly stumbled once or twice on a well-hidden tree root. Was this kind of terrain not common in the eastern province? In the end, they burst from the tree line less than ten minutes later. The fort lay ahead, set at the top of what looked like a have been a shallow hill. On three sides, stone and dirt had been sheared away, leaving unnaturally smooth cliffs some five meters high that seemed to follow into the utilitarian gray masonry of the fort's wall. The final site was a shallow slope with a rough stairway carved into its center, leading upward to the fort's only entrance, a gateway wide enough for three men to pass through side by side. The gate itself currently stood open, revealing that the walls were only perhaps a meter thick. This really was a small fort, even Tung Hao's outermost walls were thicker than that. The two forward corners held rounded fortifications, raised on stubby towers, rising again to the height of the walls above the nest. They were covered by wooden canopies, with the center of each dominated by an odd wooden device. It looked a bit like a crossbow the size of a horse cart. Linky recognized it as a net thrower. She had seen Tung Hao's city guards take down flying spirit beasts with it once or twice. A third tower with another net thrower overlooked the fort's rear. As they came to a halt at the bottom of the steps, Linky did her best to catch a breath without being obvious about it. The others were winded as well, but none of them to the same extent as her. Linky's disciple gown clung uncomfortably to her skin and was darkened by sweat in places. She felt even more out of place than usual next to Goose Island, who, at worst, had a few brambles caught in the hem of her gown. Weapons out, stay spread out and within range of support techniques. 
Han Jian said quietly as Han Fang mounted his first of the steps and followed by Fang Yu. We don't know if someone else made it first and is trying to lure us in, so stay alert until we've scoped it out. Linky flicked out one of her sharpened knives into her right hand, pausing to scan the tree line behind him as she did. She didn't want to be snuck up on either. They reached the gate without incident, and after a brief scan of the courtyard, Anjan waved his cousin forward. The larger boy stepped cautiously between the gates, hammer held at the ready. When nothing happened, even after Han Fang took several steps inside, Han Jian gestured for Fang Yu and Gu's Island to watch the approach of the fort as he and Lin Qi stepped inside. The courtyard was a field of packed dirt with a set of steps on each wall leading to the battlements. In the center stood a stone square of building with a single door and only a handful of narrow arrow slits for windows. It looked far too small to hold more than a handful of people. If I remember correctly, the fortifications in this region have their barracks and support buildings underground because Imperial Earth Arts are superior to those of the barbarians, and flat space is at a premium in the mountains. Anjan said beside her, but I doubt that shutting ourselves in a hole for a couple hours will satisfy the instructor. Probably not, Linky responded distractedly as they moved further inside. It might fulfill the letter of the order, but it wasn't in keeping with the spirit, which might be part of the test. She added in an unsure tone, Falling back if you're overwhelmed is a good sense, right? Anjan chuckled, Depends on who you ask. There's more than one person who would say that any retreat from barbarians is shameful and dereliction of duty besides. But of course, Gu Zalin's voice came from behind her along with the creaking sound of gates closing. Linky glanced back at Fan Yu turning the mechanism to close the heavy gates. Retreating in the face of barbarian trash means allowing them to ravage the poor defenseless little mortals. Shame in one's cowardice aside, the annoyingly pretty girl said in a chipper voice. Sometimes needs must, but it certainly should not be the first option in mind, Gu Zilin added with an irritating smile that made Linky bristle with the implied insult. Anjan raised a hand to cut off Linky's retort and glanced at Hang Fang, who was standing beside the door leading into the central building. Fang, check inside. Linky blinked. That gave her an idea. Maybe they could hide in the barracks and attack whoever came next in, or even wait until the other groups were fighting and attack the winner. She probably would have done that if she were on her own. We need to hurry. I doubt that we have any more than a quarter of an hour at most before someone else reaches us, less if they're being impatient. Han Jan continued, moving purposely towards his cousin. Then we need to find our positions quickly, Fan Yu grunted as he strode up. What do you intend, Jan? I think, um... Han Jan mused, glancing at the gates. I think Fang and I should move to the battlements over the gates. His art will be fine for harassing approaching enemies. And even if I'm not great at archery, I can handle a bow. You don't have one, though, Linky pointed out slowly. Han Jan glanced at her confusion and seemed to understand. Oh, right. I have it on me. It's just a storage. Father gave me a small dimensional ring before I left home. Linky had no idea what that was, but she didn't feel like exposing her ignorance further to her companions. You, I want you down there to hold the gate. It's going to be broken, so we need someone resilient down there to hold away the enemies. Han Jan continued. And what of us? Goose Island asked, idly shifting her weight from foot to foot. 
Han Fang re-emerged from the central building and his point nodded to Han Chan, signaling the all clear. You should be on the watchtowers. Your arts have the best range, and I need someone to keep an eye on the other approaches. I need you to use some tokens to set up an alarm formations on the other walls too. I don't think many disciples could make it over the rear walls, but I could be wrong. I don't know the arts of every disciple we're competing against. Lin Qi... Han Jian looked over at her with a frown. I'd say that you'd go with Zai Lin. Leaving someone alone is usually not the best strategy. He scrubbed a hand through his hair, defending a fort with so few people. We're almost certain to have to retreat to the courtyard if the others are reasonably well organized, he muttered in annoyance. Linky considered, glancing at the still-smiling Gu Zai Lin. She didn't really like the other girl and wasn't certain she trusted her. Would the other girl really have her back when they were all alone? The whole plan seemed excessively dangerous to her because of how spread out and isolated each person would be. Linky could not help but think that it would be better to hide and ambush the enemy disciples rather than face them head on. Would it be possible for her to convince her teammates to listen to her? End of chapter Chapter 13 Zal's Trial Number 2 trying to convince a bunch of nobles to use what she was sure that they would think was a dishonorable tactics. Linky wasn't confident of her chances, nor was she sure that Instructor Zhao would find much course of action acceptable. At the same time, hadn't John Yan said himself, holding a location like this with only five people was next to impossible. They didn't have to hold out against an army or anything, but it still felt like a bad idea, especially with another stage of testing after this. Linky was stronger now, but all the same, it went against her instincts to stand out in the open and fight, and Han John had said that leader should listen to his subordinates. I'm not sure trying to hold the walls directly is the best idea. Linky began before she could lose her nerve. Not I do not think that we could, she added hurriedly. It's just that we would probably get worn down and there's still another test after this. Hanjan frowned at her words. We have to hold this place if we want to fulfill the objective. It is true that we have too few people to be effective, but the other students won't have the numbers to fully take advantage either. He grimaced then, unless they team up temporarily. The objective only said that we had to be the ones to control this at the end of two hours. Linky pointed out with a bit more confidence. Chan Chan hadn't gotten angry at her criticizing, or even Fan Yu was scowling at her, and Gu Xiaolin was giving her a strange look. Han Fang seemed unconcerned, keeping an eye on the gates. Why don't we leave the gates open and just hide ourselves in the barracks? We can let other two groups fight things out until we're near the time limit and attack whoever's still standing. If they send someone down to scout the barracks, we should still be easy to take them out and that's one or two less people we need to fight. Do you think that Aldazal would be impressed by such cowardly approach? Van Yu responded angrily. Han Jian, now do you see why bringing a peasant into this was foolish? I think that Instructor Zhao cares more about results than methods, Ling Ki answered stubbornly. I mean, didn't Goose Island say that just a little bit ago? If we fail to hold back the barbarians, it means settlements burn. Why shouldn't we do whatever we need to? Instructor Zhao would have made the instructions more specific if he wanted us to limit our tactics. 
When has he ever failed to tell us exactly what he wants us to do? Linky found her words spilling out in a rush as she glared at the stout boy across from her. Van Yu looked furious at being talked back to. When Han Yan held up her hand, looked both thoughtful and irritated. She could only hope that he wasn't irritated at her. Was it cowardly when Father lured the Ashwalker vanguard into the walls of the Falling Sun Temple so that they could be burned with minimal casualties? Han Jan asked Pan Yu. It's hardly the same, John. Pan Yu blustered. You can't seriously be thinking of taking some inexperienced girl's battle plan over your own. Where's your pride? Pride has no place on the battlefield. Han Jan responded glibly with an air of one repeating someone else's words. And she's right. I got caught up in planning for a battle that doesn't even need to happen. I'm lucky father isn't here to cuff me for it. He looked back at Fan Yu, who was still staring at him angrily. You, don't you think of this as a duel or a contest between peers, you know? The purpose of the sect is to combat barbarians. Since we're training, doesn't it make sense to treat our enemies the same way? Linky shifted uncomfortably while Han Jian tried to calm the other boy. Instead of trying to butt in and possibly ruin the more diplomatic boy's efforts, she found herself meeting Zhu Island's deliberately neutral gaze. Linky raised her chin, refusing to look down or away from the other girl. A few ten seconds passed with the boys arguing back and forth in the background before the other shrugged her shoulders slightly and glanced over at Fan Yu, a smile playing on her lips. Linky didn't think she was very nice smile. Nonetheless, the other girl soon joined the effort to convince her fiancé, and Linky couldn't help but mentally compare the process to an ornery bull being guided to its pen. She was still a bit bewildered that her plan had been accepted so easily. Did that mean that Han Jan had been thinking something similar I just didn't want to suggest it himself? That was perhaps a touch too paranoid. The interior of the central building was little more than an empty stone box, though the door had a sturdy iron bar that couldn't be laid across the inside. The stairwell itself was only wide enough for two people to walk shoulder to shoulder, and was lit by faint blue crystals embedded in the walls. Each crystal was only as bright as a weak candle, but combined it provided as much light as a moonlit night. The actual barracks was bare and mostly unfurnished. It consisted of a handful of roughly carved rooms filled with empty weapon racks and various storage containers. Whoever had created this place had not bothered to fill the fort with the necessities of actual military fortification would have. Linky hung back as Han Jan directed the others around, only speaking up to point out better locations for them to hide while maintaining sight on the stairway. Han Fang took a spot inside the first door on the right, ready to step out and block a potential escape. The rest would conceal themselves in the next set of rooms. Van Yu and Gu Zilin on the right, and Han Jan and Linky on the left. We wait one hour, Han Jan explained quietly. If no one comes in that time, we'll consider moving out to hunt down the other groups. In that case, Linky, you and Han Fang will be the first up the stairs. He continued, meeting her eyes. It looks like you have some experience in scouting duties. Yeah, Linky agreed uncomfortably. She supposed she had made it obvious that sneaking was one of her skills. Han Fang is my backup then. He's your partner, Han Jan replied with a smile. He's quiet, that he looks. <laughs> he might have said that she was a scout to begin with. 
Then you grumbled. Are we going to hide or not? Anjan nodded, and they moved into position. The wait was nerve-wracking. Linky had been in similar situations before, but somehow hiding in a barrel alone was less stress-inducing than standing ready for an ambush with four other people. No sound from above reached them as the remainder of the first hour ticked by with agonizing slowness. The next hour began without fanfare, the first quarter passing at a crawl. As Linky began to wonder if they would have to move to the backup plan, the sound of the gate mechanism activating echoed down the stairs. Linky tensed, meeting Hanjan's eyes where he crouched in the shadow of the empty crate. Footsteps on the stairs preceded the emergence of two people from the stairwell. The first was a boy of middling height with a short, dark hair and a sharp features. There were tears in his robe and a wound on his right arm that darkened the silvery cloth with blood. He was armed with a paired or set of silver sabers hurled at the ready. Behind him was a slight girl with long, unbound brown hair and soft features that made her look younger than she was. She held a short bow staff close to her chest and peered around far less confidence than the boy in front of her. The enemy starters were wary but not alarmed, their eyes darting from one vague shadow to the next. One step and then another carried them further inside, away from the only escape route. Linky held her breath as she waited for her moment. She met Hanjan's eyes again. He shook his head, signaling for her to hold. The duo took another step, carrying them past Han Fang's position. As the girls squinted into the shadows where they hid, the armor rack that Han Fang had been behind flew across the hall and smashed into the boy with a thunderous bang, exploding into splinters from the power of the key forced into it. The boy skidded back, hitting the opposite wall with a grunt as he shielded his eyes from the debris. The girl who had been behind him whimpered and clapped a hand over her now bleeding ears. In their moments of distraction, Hang Fang darted out, placing himself between them and the exit. Put them down quickly, do not allow them to escape. Han Jan's voice echoed unnaturally as he smoothly rose to his feet. Sword pointed like a commander's fan. It sounded strange to hear he normally laid back boys speak in such a domineering voice, but she knew it was part of his art. She felt her doubts and fears washed away in an instant, replaced by a swelling confidence. Linky circulated her key, feeling the stagnant flow of her dry air in the basement barracks. She twisted them to guide the protect herself and her companions. She didn't know which one Goose Island would target, but for Linky, it was the reading girl. Her focused her will on the knife in her hand and felt the wind converge on draining key from her dantian with the effort. It happened almost too fast to protest. She stood and threw. Their blade seemed to directly sprout from the other girl's stomach, embedded to the hilt. The already reading girl let out a scream of pain as she finally dropped her staff, blood already staining her gown. The sight caused Linky to freeze. She had just attacked someone with the intent to kill, and the only reason that she hadn't aimed for the throat was because she didn't have the confidence that she could hit it. Instructor Zhao had said that there was a chance of death, but they couldn't seriously be intending to have the disciples slaughter each other, right? There should be, should be some kind of magic removing the defeated, and the chance of death was just from it not activating in time aura. 
A bright orange lance of flame seared the line of her vision as it slammed into the girl Linky had wounded. It hit the girl and spread through her, and then the girl vanished in a burst of twinkling starlight, leaving only a scorch marks on the wall behind. At least she was right in her suppositions. Linky thought numbly as the boy cried out something that was lost in the din of his engagement with the charging fad you. Moments later, a second burst of thunder followed as the opposing disciple took a heavy blow to the back from Hang Fang's hammer. He too vanished, even as the sound of the cracking bone reached her ears. Hey, don't freeze up! Linky was startled out of her thoughts as Han Jian gently nudged her with his elbow, his voice too low to carry. The heat haze from his aunt was already fading. Everyone coming in was aware of the danger. Our battle's always that fast, Linky asked quietly as she watched the grinning Fan Yu clap Han Fang on the back. Fan Yu's previous foul mood had been displaced by the cheer of victory. It had only been a matter of seconds from start to finish. Not even a minute had passed. Han Jian shook his head. Not always, but an ambush with low-rank cultivators like us... It'll be fast. Things change past a certain level, he said before placing a hand on the crates in front of the two of them and vaulting over it. All right, good work, everyone, but we need to form up. Someone probably heard that. And you, we need you up front, with your defensive art active. Linky stared at Han Jan's back and took a deep breath before following him over, only to be surprised when she was forced to snap a hand out and catch something blurring towards her. It turned out to be a bow-staff of the girl that she had attacked. Now that she got a better look at it, it was clearly valuable. A perfectly round and smooth length of dark brown wood with a dark green jade cap on either end, and odd characters painted along its length. The one who had thrown it was Goose Island. The other girl met her questioning gaze with a smile. Spurs a battle, you know. I'm not suited to wood-natured key, so you may as well have it. She took your knife with her, after all. As the two girls fell in behind Han Jan, Linky gave the other girl a suspicious look. Even so, why give it to me? I'm sure you could find something to do with it. Goose Island simply smiled mysteriously. Perhaps I think you might be worth a little generosity. She quipped, not bothering to look back as she regrouped with the rest. We should focus on the rest of the test. There'll be time enough to talk later. Linky wanted to press her further, but Zoo's Island had a point. With an annoyed huff, she glanced at the thing. She would have to carry it for a moment since she had no way of storing it. It wasn't as if she needed an offhand to throw knives. Maybe she could block an attack with the staff. This will be a more difficult part. I doubt simply staying down here will count as fulfilling the objective. You was right in that. Han Jan had said to speak again, and they began to mount the stairs. Even if no one heard that, it's only a matter of time before they notice these two missing. There should only be three of their teammates left, so we're going to go out hard and fast. Focus your attacks on one target at a time when possible. Don't hesitate to take a shot if you have it. No one walks the path of cultivation without making enemies. Han Jan didn't look at her when he said that. But Linky had shifted uncomfortably. Were those two dead? Neither had been in good condition before they vanished. Han Jan didn't pause in speaking, and his next words carried the weight of command even as the temperature around him began to rise. You! 
Can you feel anyone nearby? The stout boy grunted and crouched down on top of the stairs, fingers brushing the stone. You know I'm not good at this, John, he grumbled quietly. One in the courtyard ahead, at the edge of what I can feel. Ten, perhaps fifteen meters. Han John nodded once sharply. Then we hit him. The others are likely on the walls. We'll suffer attacks, but it's better than allowing them to group up. If we're lucky, they'll be sensible and surrender once the third member is down. Otherwise, we'll have to chase them down. Stick to the basic formation. Fang and you are in the vanguard. You two stay with me. He explained, gesturing to Linky and Goose Island. There were no objections to that. So, the second part of the plan began. Fan Yu led the charge, skin darkening to a color of granite, closely followed by Han Fang. The three of them followed the two boys out of the building. There was barely a moment to catch sight of another tall, noble-featured boy in the center of the courtyard before a lance of fire snapped out from Goose Island's porcelain pale hand, cutting between her allies to strike him in the back. The boy was surprisingly unarmed by that, but he was knocked off balance and sent stumbling forward with a scorched hole in his robe. Then the two boys reached him. The haft of the spear he raised to defend himself was driven into the chest by a thundering blow from Hang Fang's warhammer, followed by Fang Yu's spear slipping under his broken guard. Of course, to keep the two in range of Ling Qi and Hang Jan's arts, the three of them had to leave the safety of the central building. Ling Qi caught a glimpse of one of the other two enemies up on the wall above the gate, raising a bow and releasing an arrow that transformed into a streak of reddish-purple light. It struck Van Yu in the shoulder and punched through the stony flesh. Ling Qi had her own problems to deal with. The girl further down the wall, whose gesture in the direction had drawn a hasty scatter from Han Jian. She was too slow to charge completely as razor-sharp shards of ice pelted the area that they had been standing in. One cut a painful gash across the upper thigh and a second buried itself in her shoulder, making her choke off a scream. Zylan, take the linky and return fire!' Han Jan shouted as he dodged the opposite direction from them and moved towards the opposite side. Caught up and dodging the assault by the ice-wielding girl, Linky had no attention to give the boys battle. The sound of thunder breaking the stone reaching her ears, but it was a distant thing compared to her heartbeat pounding in her ears and the pain in her shoulder. Goose Island roughly seized her by the arm and took off, looking furious as blood ran down her face from the cut on her cheek. Focus on dodging and guiding my attacks. The other girl snapped. All pretense of playfulness gone. Linky gritted her teeth and nodded, breaking from her pained daze to a run alongside her teammate, throwing herself aside. She avoided the next shot of ice, and a wild frail of the staff in her hand managed to deflect another. The characters are along its length blaring to life. She hated that she had no way of responding to the other cultivators' attack directly. But feeling the build-up of heat around Goose Island's hands, she pulled deep from a well of key and twisted the wind into guiding channels of vaults of searing flames. The conflicting temperatures threw the wind flows into chaos, and the girls traded fire for what felt like an eternity. Sizzling flames and shards of ice fired between them. Suddenly, 
The girl attacking them yelped in pain, the sleeve of her gown catching fire and disrupting the pattern of her own attacks. The next instant she stumbled, an arrow sprouting from her side. It was her undoing. Linky glimpsed her teammate out the corner of her eye as Goose Island raised her hands over her head. Her beautiful features were twisted in fury, and her carefully combed hair was wild. Flames bloomed between her hands, quickly expanding into a ball of fire larger than her head with a core of brilliant blue. The orb flew and struck the staggering girl with a deafening blast like a firework going off at close range. As the smoke cleared from the charred ramparts, Linky shuddered. If she had been uncertain about the others, the stench of burning flesh and the breeze filled her with even more doubt. She met Goose Island's eyes, noting the triumph burning there, as she turned to look at Linky, opening her mouth to speak. But Linky never heard what Goose Island had to say, because the world went black. End of chapter and that, my friends, concludes this episode of the first 40K. I hope you enjoyed, and if you're curious as to what happens next in the story, go and read the rest of it with the link down below, or watch the second video if it exists. As for the channel stuff, don't forget to do the standard stuff of liking, subscribing, and yada yada yada. Remember, for the algorithm and all of that... And until next time, I hope you all have a fantastic one, and I will see you then. Cheers.